0: Dear Jazzy. The following program is intended for mature adults over the age of 18. If you are not a patron looking for information on sex, relationships, and gender, please visit scarletteens.org. Nothing said on this show is a replacement for official medical advice. Trust me. Last time I checked, no one here is a doctor. Welcome back to Dear Jazzy, episode 49, the show where we answer all of life's kinky questions. I am your host, Jasmine Starshine.
1: And I'm your co-host for the day, Fani
0: ABDL. Oh my god, funny you have not been on the show before. Welcome!
1: Hey, thank you! Yeah. It's really nice to be here, finally.
0: Yeah, no, I'm really excited you're here. Um, it's funny, you reached out to me and you were like, how does one be a co-host on the show? And I was just like, like this, literally just like this. <laughs> I was just like, yes, go on the show. Like I was actually kind of nervous to ask a little bit. Um, I'm sure tons of people listening to the show know who you are, but give us a rundown. Who are you? What do you do? And where on the internet do you do it?
1: Um. Oh, good question. Gosh, now I have to think about it. <laughs> it's, I don't know, like how do I get through everything that I've done um I mostly just do AVL AVDL art um and I started like 10 years ago just kind of on my own doing that and then set up a couple of profiles for it and built my gallery and then tore it all down a couple <laughs> years ago and then uh have been slowly rebuilding since the beginning of last year and now you can find me at, on twitter uh, my username is FonnyABDL. I have a little Patreon where people can throw a couple dollars at me just to say, hey, I like your art. Thank you. And uh, that's pretty much it. Like Discord, Twitter, and Patreon.
0: Awesome. Uh, so we are having you on the show today because we wanted specifically to talk about um, not only Lalita culture, which you are very much involved in, But also uh, talking about presenting femme in uh, specifically the ABDL scene and the kink scene and even in general. So we're going to get a lot into like feminist theory and like uh, different gender identities and expressions and trans stuff. And it's going to be a a, it's going to be a really, really good episode. Uh, Before we get into that, though, how have you been? How's your day been going?
1: oh it's been good I've been looking forward to this like pretty much all day and I made some dip for my chips earlier and it was really good
0: nice How nice about you? I, you know I've been good uh, this week has been you know a little bit nuts because of current events and everything so I've been trying to keep myself busy and productive through that I've been having fun streaming thank you to everyone from the server that checked that out that was really cool um, it was awesome to see some familiar faces in the chat. Um, other than that, um, we got some some really nice like gourmet hot chocolate in the mail today. So before uh, before we started here, I was sipping on a mug of that, and it was really nice. And yeah, that's all I got to say. Shall we get into it? I think so. All right. So, oh, excuse. Young counter is at one. Excellent. Okay. (laughs) So in our Patreon, which is the literal best way to support the ongoing production of the show, we have Damia, Fluffy Nate, Gosh Cheeks, Raystar, and Tone Cluster in the $1 vanilla tier, which gets you a username shadow, in the $5 Kingster tier, which gets you monthly nude pics of myself, we have AB Michael, Briar, Casa, Juicebox, Maxi Skywalker and the Starling family and the $10 uh Kingston no sorry fetishist tier, there we go uh which gets you everything below including an, an extended shout out up to one sentence and monthly porn of me uh like videos we have Ishi, Sarah, and Scotia in the $15 sinner tier which gets you all the below including some like fun director rights for the videos we have Daddy Gray who writes, "Babies, make sure to check your tapes." And Kaneko who writes, "Co wants everyone to know that Jazzy. Oh, uh, it says in italics, uh, Jazzy baby babbles pretending to be Co.' So, uh, hmm, I'm trying to figure out the best. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out the best way to do that. <laughs> it's putting me on the spot. I wasn't prepared for that. Hopefully that counts. Hopefully that counts. Take a sh- <laughs> Skywalker says, "Take a shot for Yon. Count one." It's a dear jazzy drinking show. And in the $20 <laughs> deviant tier, which gets you everything below, including your name written on my took for all of the porn. We have Jamie Bell, who writes Ram Ranch really rocks, specifically requesting that in funny Mike Joe, who writes suffering from winter coldness comes snuggle with me and the only baby with the, with the warm diaper guarantee. <laughs> My diaper's always warm or your money back. God damn it. And a new patron, Sluggy, thank you so much. Uh, Sluggy writes, ha ha funny poop. Okay. Let is let's actually get into the meat of the episode. So I'm gonna open up this extremely well need- like extremely well organized PowerPoint that you set up for um for for this episode. I almost feel like it, it's honestly really reminiscent of um my old life and old career where I was doing like presentations like in front of like important people and everything. So this is actually really cool. Thank you for setting this up.
1: Yeah, I have to use my uh, my university education somewhere and it's not even like formatted with a background or anything. So thank you for your compliments.
0: Yeah, no, of course. And without the background is actually really accessible for dyslexia. So I also appreciate that. And then the font choice is really good. So gold star.
1: It's all default.
0: Hell yeah. All right. Uh, Do you want to uh, kick this off?
1: Sure. Um, So I kind of wanted to shape the episode um, a little bit in a way that makes sense from like uh, a lecture standpoint where you kind of go through little bit by little bit in layman's terms to be able to get everyone kind of on the same page and go through everything in a really uh, logical manner. So we're going to start off with the words that we're using today, um, saying femmes versus saying women or females or girls. We're going to start um, after that with sort of where we come from to be able to talk about this this stuff. Um, and then we're going to talk about, like, our different experiences, the trans femme experience versus the cis femme experience and why that matters. And then we can finally get into, like, the meat and the potatoes, not just the hot dogs, but the hot dog and the bun <laughs> of this episode, where we talk about what it means to be a femme in the Western world. Nowhere else, just here. And then questions, of course.
0: Of course, because it wouldn't be a Dear Jazzy show without the Dear Jazzy questions. <laughs> All right.
1: Which I'm looking forward to. There are some fantastic ones in here.
0: I'm telling you like the listeners to the show always submit the best questions. I'm always really excited to answer them and you put them all in this PowerPoint too. So I'm just like, this is great. This is the easiest show ever. So yeah, I see that you are also on the second slide with me. So let's uh, get into it.
1: Like number two terminology. And I'm asking the question, why are we making this distinction? Um, the reason why I wanted to kind of bring up like why are we using the word femme instead of just saying girls you know just gals gals and pals uh we wanted to talk about uh inclusivity we wanted to include everyone who uh, identifies with the femme part of this like multi-directional identity spectrum so we're casting a really wide net here to be able to just include people
0: yeah awesome and As you know, this is a very, very queer focused show. So that is really, really fantastic that that is the the mood and the theme that we're setting right at the top. Because, as you know, a huge percentage of the listener base to Dear Jazzy is some flavor of queer. And then our listener base is very trans leaning as well. So that is um, absolutely fantastic that we're doing that.
1: I'm just uh, starting to share my screen with the the chat here to like show kind of the slides because uh, Skywalker asked, um, and if it kills my audio quality, please let me know.
0: Uh, you sound good so far. We're
1: running with a thank you. We're running with a six year old Mac, and she still does rather well. But uh, <laughs> gotta gotta hedge my bets here somewhere.
0: I'm doing her best.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Are we ready to move on to this third slide?
0: Yes, we are. Go for it.
1: Fantastic. So I only really filled out like my half of this and where I come from, so I could like, you know, not ramble forever. Uh, It's the basis of knowledge where I kind of talk about why I think I'm qualified to talk about femmes. And the first point that I have up here because I can't get enough of it is that I'm university educated, uh, and I majored in anthropology. And anthropology is the study of humans in all spaces and all places. So we're talking about like the biological aspects of humans, what makes us human biologically, what makes us human culturally, what do humans say and talk about and, um, kind of what humans have left behind. And that's archeology, span which we're not going to get into at all today. I don't like getting sand under my fingernails. So I'm not an archeologist.
0: That's valid.
1: And then I'm also cisgender and bisexual. Um, And I recognize bisexual as a catch-all and not like a binary choice of one and then something else.
0: Which is a really important distinction. Oh, I'm sorry. I interrupted you.
1: Oh, no, it's fine. I was just going to say I could say pansexual, but I think I identify better with bisexual.
0: Yeah, which is totally valid. There's a lot of discourse about... By versus pan and frankly i think it's kind of silly so i'm actually really happy that you said that actually
1: mm-hmm. yeah no i've also seen the the uh, the discourses about it and sometimes i think it's silly but also you kind of have to recognize that it's a very sort of important conversation to have because some people might say yes i'm only attracted to two genders my own and something else very distinct whereas i use it just as a big white net
0: absolutely and that gets into um the whole idea of like intention of words and like personal meaning of words and everything that's a really really good distinction Mm -hmm. so we could
1: really talk about that all day so (laughs) moving on
0: i'm going to firmly give you the talking stick because i'm I'm getting really excited here as you can hear
1: (laughs) okay okay Um, The third thing that I have up here in my basis of knowledge is that uh, a lot of my hobbies and a lot of my interests also have to do with, like, the very femme side of this uh, multidirectional spectrum. Um, And I'm really into women's historical costumes, uh, especially from the Victorian era. So, like, mid-Victorian, whenever the, the crinolines were really, really big. I love that stuff. I love the history behind it. I love how these things came about and why they made the choices to change up their styles every so many years. And I'm also really into sort of the modern, modern equivalent of those fashions, which is uh, elegant Gothic Lolita, which is an incredibly feminine Japanese street fashion. And you've probably just heard of it as Lolita fashion or sweet Lolita or goth Lolita or whatever other Lolita offshoot you might uh, have ever heard of. And, um, There is a little bit of interesting discourse behind the name Lolita. Would you be okay if I touched on that or do we want to like
0: toss that out? Oh no, please do.
1: Yeah. It was um, just something recently that I ended up coming across that's been kind of floating around the community for a very long time of like, where did the name Lolita come from? Did it come from the Vladimir Novakov novel about the man who grooms the young woman? and kind of writes about it from his own perspective so that you think that she's totally into it when she might not have been. Or was it just something that the Japanese young women who kind of created this fashion and ran with it just thought was cute? Cause then the word Bolita is just a nickname for girls named Dolores. So it's huh. like, are they connected or are they not? And it looks like they are slightly connected, but not really in a, the way that you might think. Uh, you have to understand that um, there's that sort of disconnect in what the book Lolita means to North Americans and how we took it and what the book might have meant to the uh, Japanese people who might have read that book or have known about it and how they took it. And their sort of understanding of it was a little more innocent than how we took it.
0: Right, right. So
1: they thought it was totally okay to kind of have that overlap in the book and the fashion, even though the fashion is like totally not about young girls being sexualized. It's the right. opposite.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm really happy that you um made that um that distinction as well because I've seen a bunch of <laughs> go figure on Twitter. Um, a bunch of people talking about how Lolita fashion as an entire culture and subculture is problematic because of its name alone. And that's almost as, almost as ignorant as saying like all ABDLs are pedophiles. It's basically just as uninformed. I wish you
1: could see my face right now. Now that we're talking about this clown who brought that up in the first place on Twitter.
0: Oh my god! I can I can like feel your face through the ether. I can like feel your just disappointment <laughs> from afar.
1: <laughs> yeah, but like, yes, yeah. You pretty much summed it up perfectly. Someone uh, equated them together and had a really bad take about it.
0: A hilariously bad take.
1: That bad take.
0: Yes, but yeah, uh,
1: Jazzy. I was gonna uh, also ask you to fill in what your basis of knowledge is for this.
0: Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you. Um, hi, everyone. I'm new to the show. My name's Jazzy. Yeah. So I
1: introduced myself as someone who thinks that they're were uh, like qualified to talk about fems.
0: Oh, yeah. Them? No, absolutely. Uh, so as you all know, my name is Jazzy. Um, I honestly feel that I'm qualified to talk about uh, fems um, because not only... I mean, I did not major in anthropology. I took it as one of my electives along with the lab. And I can honestly say that it was one of the most enthralling classes I ever took. I specifically took um, my course on the more um, evolutionary aspect of anthropology. So talking about like ancient humans and going from like, how did we get from Australopithecus to Homo sapien? And then talking about like, the differences and how our sexual dimorphism happened and then how that has evolved even further with our understanding of intersex as a uh, sexual identity, uh, not a sexual orientation, but a identity in terms of one's biological sex and how we know humans are not a very strict binary when it comes to quote, quote, biological sex. It was so interesting. And the professor was involved in the college's um, LGBT club, which I was the president of at one point um, while I was actually taking the class. Um, further, I've been involved in multiple LGBT organizations in which I've in, in my like local area. Excuse me. In which I worked with um, a lot of people of all varying gender identities and expressions and that sort of thing. And also, um while I myself am not a hyper femme person, I identify more on like demigirl ish, mainly mainly because like I identify on, as a binary trans woman. However, like I still use she, her, and everything. However, my expression is in and of itself is not hyper, hyper, hyper femme. Um, I definitely have an appreciation for it though. Um, that's a little bit of like my background. I I guess, uh, talking more about the education piece, um, I really enjoyed, uh, another elective I took, uh, for my sciences and really got a lot out of was my adolescent development course, where again, we talked a lot about, um, development and where anthropology left off with human development up until the modern era. That's where adolescents like picked up the ball and kept going with like how we, Develop our gender identities and expressions throughout our life experiences and everything. So, and then of course, and now into my life, I'm still doing academic reading into feminist theory and all that good stuff and everything. So that's a little bit of uh, my background.
1: Fascinating that you brought up the uh, the adolescent development um, point. That's not really anything that I was uh, really given access to in my anthropology education, I went to a, like a medium sized university.
0: Mm, gotcha. Um, so we
1: didn't have everything. Yeah. But that is fascinating. And we should talk more about that later.
0: Yes, we and should. The it's point, so cool.
1: Yeah. The point about you not being like super far over on the femme spectrum is also really important. Cause like, even though you're, you identify as a demigirl, that's still firmly in the femme camp.
0: Exactly. It's like yeah. my, own, uh, my own twist on what femme can be and how that doesn't mm-hmm. uh, negate one's uh, identification with the she-her side of gender identity and everything. And, you know, that really gets into the whole, that, that gets into a very surface-level debate, well, not even debate, but topic on sexism, saying, like, women are supposed to wear x And this one is wearing Y and, you know, that's a very like basic like gender studies 101 first day (laughs) type situation.
1: And maybe we'll touch on it later, but that's also a very funny thing to hear from anyone where it's just like, oh, well, women should dress like women. And then I come out here dressed in like pink and frills, very femmy things. And they're like, oh, no, not like that.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. And women should dress like women. And I wear like yoga pants with pentagrams and shit and, and like my gothic trench coat and like combat boots to Starbucks. They're like, no, not like that. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, where the standards? <laughs> so I see you yep. on slide number four. Uh, shall we move forward or anything uh, left on slide number three before we go on?
1: I'm all done with slide number three. Get it out of here. Toss it in the trash.
0: Toss it. It's done. It's a hose I don't know why I combine New- a New York <laughs> accent with like a Canadian term, but you know, we're just going to roll with it because Ohio.
1: I think hose is going to be the way that we go from now on.
0: Hey, it's a Hosea. <laughs> All right. I'm being a hose
1: over here. Hey,
0: um, it's a hose so over here.
1: <laughs> this is the slide titled trans versus cis. The two sort of main femme experiences. Um, and i'm saying that you should lead here i have it labeled here jazzy should lead here
0: i saw that i saw that when i was uh reviewing it i was just like i hope i do a good job but i also see that the first thing that you have listed here is periods what's the trans femme experience like are they comparable to cis periods and you know i see this um I see a lot of TERFs on the internet talking about how trans women don't get periods. Um, as someone on her period right now, um, fuck you. We do. And they are awful. Um, it is still, um, very much the same. Well, well, obviously it's not the same experience because I, I don't have eggs in my prostate or anything, but, um, it's more or less your body going like I expect there to be certain organs in here and there are not thusly, I will fucking cramp and that sort of situation. And it's important to note that in everyone's body, regardless of what kind of situation they have going on with their, um, with their anatomy and with their chromosomes, despite all of that, everyone has monthly hormone fluctuations, but as a culture, we seem to only ever want to talk about, um, (laughs) we only ever want to talk about those hormone fluctuations involved with estrogen. Um, and I find that really interesting. And that also kind of leads into, you know, this, this, excuse me, pardon me, uh, you know, that kind of speaks to the whole concept of like our culture is run by a patriarchy, that sort of thing. Um, But in terms of the trans femme experience, um, besides, um, you know, you get cramps, you get, you know, the runs, which is a little bit TMI and everything, Um, the cravings, some people can get bitchy and that is totally valid. Um, I personally get a lot of migraines and it really sucks. And I get kind of like cry-y and everything. Um, Like, (laughs) like daddy made me some homemade cocoa and I was just like beside myself i was just like oh, thank you and everything um and also it's like a very validating experience because you know for all the times i get extremely dysphoric about myself i just think like i i will get um i'll have my monthly period and then i'll be like oh shit i really am a valid woman because i'm experiencing hell cramps and everything um I think b- besides the physical aspect of the experience, there's also um, the emotional experience, and should I, I should say like the intrapersonal experience because there are a lot of naysayers online who you may be cramping like hell, but then they'll say no you're not, and it's like what do you mean I'm not? I'm literally sitting in my desk chair cramping, and you're telling me no I'm not. Oh, it's a placebo no, it's clearly not. (laughs) And that sort of thing. So that's also a big part of the, um, trans period experiences, not only going through all the physical and emotional parts of it, but the interpersonal doubt and everything and how just frustrating and like demeaning that can be at times.
1: Yeah. The, uh, The turf argument doesn't really have any footing at all, because to say that it's a placebo or that it can be chalked up to anything else would mean that you'd be like looking at your calendar and being like, yes, the 8th, that's the day that I'm going to start feeling cramps. (laughs) Exactly. Like what? Right. Who does (laughs) that?
0: Exactly, it's just like oh, I'm going to circle a I'm a calendar in big red pen, and oh, that's going—that's when I'm going to start wanting to die. <laughs> nope, that's not. Right. Sorry, chirps. That's not how it works.
1: Yeah, and to like to give a very very basic bi- biology lesson, uh, an anatomy lesson to anyone who's like, but but why do all these things affect each other? Um, cramps and having um, sort of. Abdominal distress in general during that time is because all the muscles in your abdomen just squeeze. They squeeze because they're trying to squeeze everything out of you, get your uterus flushed for the next month. Um, And it's your hormones that are saying, hey, abdominal muscles, you want to you want to have a little fun? You want to (laughs) squeeze?
0: You want to go for a squeeze there, Toots? And it's like, no, no, I don't. No, I don't please stop yeah. squeezing on my prostate. There's nothing to squeeze out of it. Please don't. <laughs> please don't.
1: <laughs> so yeah, it's it's all hormonally linked, and it's very um, very easy to see how a trans individual who's taking estrogen might also experience those things because the hormones say, abdominal
0: muscles do your work. And then they do. My God, do they ever yep. Yep. So. Uh, The next thing you have here is uh, what's it like to go to the doctor? What do you wish would happen? Um, If anything, uh, do you want to take this from the cis perspective or uh, do you want me to go first uh, from the trans perspective?
1: I think we should start with you. And then I can uh, talk about what I've got in my textbook after as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I I thankfully have had a lot of of really good doctors, um, mainly because there, there is a pride clinic here in, uh, the Cleveland area that has been nothing but good to me. Um, that and also Ohio is a state with informed consent. So actually getting on my HRT was very, very easy. Um, furthermore, it was really easy to change over all my documents and everything and all that good stuff. And even the hospital changed, um, a, my sex marker to F and everything. And then with, um, not even with any subtext, it's just like F and then a note saying like this patient is trans, treat her as a woman and everything, which is important because I'm a trans woman and I have parts inside of me that a lot of cis women do not have. So it's important for my doctors to know like what's going on inside of me if I'm sick or debilitated or something. And I can't tell them like, Hey, uh, there's something wrong. With my prostate there, doc might want to look at that. Um, so thankfully I've had a very good experience. That is not a universal experience at all. In fact, a lot of, um, people have reported, uh, nothing but just, uh, trauma from going to the doctor from refusing to change their, uh, sex marker to match their identity because, they need to know, quote, 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 when they could just do what they did with me, um, to there not being informed consent, to there being a year wait time requirement and therapy requirement, which is a classist form of gatekeeping people out of transitioning and everything. Um lots of people have a lot of really shitty experiences, including Uh, Up to and including, this is a trigger warning for about the next 10 seconds, starting now, including some people who report um, sexual assault and molestation from their doctor and trigger warning. You're uh, if you're listening now, you're safe now. Um, So I've had an I don't want to say exclusively uniquely good experience, but it's certainly like knowing that I have not run into any issues with any of my doctors is. Very much a blessing, and I'm very happy about it. Uh, Daddy has also had a very good experience. Obviously, he is a trans man, a non-binary, and transmasculine identifying person. He didn't have any trouble with his top surgery or anything like that. But it's important to note that in that uh, space of trans world, um, a lot of doctors will stop you from getting a hysterectomy even if it will benefit your transition because, Oh, you never know. You might want to have a baby. You don't know. It would be medically irresponsible. And it's just such this shitty, shitty opinion. That's based in the sexist belief that women are supposed to be breeding machines. And that's literally what it's steeped in. But again, that, that is a trans mask experience. And right now we're talking about a femme experience. Um, i guess the other thing is um you know there there are a lot of times where it's just like you know i wish i mean a lot of trans people wish that they were born cis and everything and in that regard um there are definitely times where i go to the doctor it's just like man i just really wish i could have the need to go to a kind of college appointment and of course everyone It's asking like, why the fuck would you want that? And then it's just like, it's not even for any like reasons nefarious or otherwise. It's just like part of the experience. Like I wish I was cis and that that's just a reminder of like a thing that my body doesn't necessarily need or needs to experience in a different way. And it can be a little bit like it can be a bummer at times and everything. Uh, So that's that's the uh, doctor experience.
1: Hmm. Yeah, um, and you brought up a couple of things that I wasn't even really thinking about, but like I might as well bring up a little bit of my own medical history related to being female or like a cis female here now, too. Um, Where in like the last, let's see, oh my God, okay. Um, in the last 14 years, I've been on a couple of different kinds of birth control, which were incredibly easy to be put on in the first place. Um, I am and have been in the Canadian healthcare system, uh, for my entire life. Um, so whenever I go to the doctor, it's pretty easy for them to be like, oh yeah, um, here's a little bit of birth control. Go nuts. Um, and, but then every other problem that I've had that could be related to my hormones, their first offering is more birth control Mm -hmm. instead of kind of looking into anything else that might be causing the problem that I'm currently having. Uh, to the point that I said, "Fuck it!" I said, "Oh, am I allowed to swear?"
0: Oh yeah, no, go for it. We are uh, okay, very, awesome. we are very Fuck fucking it. vulgar on dear Jazzy.
1: Wonderful. Okay, so about exactly <laughs> one year ago, I said, "Fuck it!" I said, "I want my tubes tied," and I went to my doctor and I said, "I'm 27. Was I 20? Yeah, 27, and I want my tubes tied." And he said, "Okay, how's October?"
0: Are know. you serious? What? That's amazing.
1: Right? So I still had to wait like eight or nine months for the entire procedure. But um that's that was a very incredible sort of experience. I think if I had went with when I was a little bit younger, around twenty one to twenty four, they would have been like, Are you sure? Oh But yeah, I went no. in and I was like I know that this is what I want. I don't want any more birth control. None of that. Snip me.
0: Literally. Stock.
1: Yeah. And so I had that done and it's been wonderful.
0: One thing that a lot of trans women report, thankfully this did not happen to me, but um, when going through the, the, you know, the talk with your doctor, a lot of people will be like, are you sure you don't want to freeze any of your sperm? Are you sure? You never know if you want kids. And it's like, way to make someone fucking dysphoric and just remind them of the anatomy that likely they hate. And just like let people mm-hmm. have agency over their bodies for everyone. You know, that that is something I feel very strongly about.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I knew, like I've known since I was little. Like little little like since I was like four. That I don't want to ever be pregnant. That's not ever gonna happen for me. And I know that like freaks out the medical community because they're like, no, the the um the sort of winning combination of woman plus um medical community is healthy baby. Right. And uh yeah, I, I didn't expect to be able to just walk in and be like, oh, I know what I want. Please give it to me. And for them to be like, OK.
0: Yeah, no, that's incredible.
1: Mm-hmm. But uh, I totally expect going forward that they'll still like look at me as if I could be a pregnant person. Um, just from all the history that I have of going in and for them to be like, are you pregnant?
0: Right, exactly. birth
1: control, let's talk about your uterus more.
0: Oh, yes, please. Let's just talk even more about the uterus. Uh, Doctor, I have a broken arm. Oh, it's definitely because of the hormones you're taking. It's got to be the hormones.
1: Oh, and speaking of that, um, it is shown that uh, many doctors think that women are overreacting whenever they come in. um, When it's like, no, I'm, I'm actually suffering. And they're like, what are you, though?
0: Yeah, no, exactly.
1: Just a womanly problem.
0: It's at your time of the month. It's just like, oh, please be more dismissive. It just makes me feel so validated. Mm -hmm.
1: Also, for anyone who's kind of thinking like, what is the gynecological experience like? Um, Speculums suck. The lube is cold. Yep. And pap smears feel weird. I don't (laughs) like them.
0: Are they still using metal tools or have they finally switched to plastic?
1: Uh, so the ones that I've had, um, they have this this little tube. It looks like a test tube with a little stopper on it. And mm-hmm. in the, the lid of the tube, they have the, the stick that they'll go in. And it looks like a weirdly shaped broom. Huh. Um, so they can go in, put this little broom up against your cervix, twist it to Look. gather some cells, and then put it back in the test tube and send that off to the lab
0: wonderful yeah no I just mm-hmm. remember my sister telling me like she she has been so supportive so of my transition and also is just like please please be happy that you do not have to experience fucking metal tools inside of your vagina and I was just like sister I am so happy about that I'm not talking about Rook I'm yeah, talking I, about my I, actual bio sister
1: yeah I um I have blocked out the memories of getting two IUDs not one but two
0: oh gods I am so sorry
1: <laughs> yeah first one was okay second one I don't remember
0: probably for good reason yeah so I see no, the it's, next it's
1: definitely for good reason
0: oh absolutely I see the next point on the slide uh talking about dysmorphia what are the trick what are the worst triggers of it how do you cope is it something that cis people might experience in some form too uh is this uh dysmorphia and also dysphoria and everything oh yes okay uh so the best way i can put it is just a feeling of non-congruence and it is just really really oh (laughs) i saw you immediately (laughs) come in and there he (laughs) goes i see you adding dysphoria in real time um The best way to put it is um, a congruence in which your 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 brain and your soul and your mind and the image of of yourself wherein does not match what you see in the mirror and what you look down and see and experience and walk around. in. it's um, I, I saw one very nerdy trans girl like me, who is also a fan of Evangelion, describe it as imagine if. Shinji got in the wrong robot and was having trouble piloting, piloting it. And and that's like the best way to describe it. Um, Before I transitioned, I just felt like everything, everything, everything was wrong. I just didn't even like recognize myself in the mirror almost. And it wasn't until I've been three years on three or four years, this is four years on hormones at this point it's like the first time I've ever actually seen my true self in a lot of ways. And I just remember at one point, like a year or in some change down the line, looking in the mirror again, it's just like, wow, this is, this is me. This is what I've been waiting for and everything. Um, Some of the worst triggers of it um, for me personally, when I was reading down all the effects of uh, estrogen based HRT um, I, obviously, I knew it would make me have boobs. You know, woohoo, great. Um, that was kind of at, like, the bottom of my priority list. Towards the top, it uh, thins out my body hair, uh, which is great. Uh, it makes the skin so much softer and thinner and more um, more sensitive and everything. It changes up how your bits downstairs work. Uh, it sterilizes you. And just, like, the more and more I read, oh, it makes your hair grow, like, faster and stronger and helps you, if you're suffering from any form of hair loss, it helps reverse that process. And it's just, like, all of these magical things I wanted since since my puberty started. And I was just like, well, this is great. The only thing that it doesn't cover is my voice, which I am still extremely dysphoric about. Um and also the redistribution of body fat and the loss of muscle mass was a huge one for me because I felt like because, you know, I had the brain chemistry and makeup and situation of a female identified person while piloting the wrong robot. To go back to the analogy, I just bonked the mic so hard there and. Um, so when I was going through puberty, my voice was starting to hit, like, the basement register. And all of a sudden, I had these big fucking muscles. And I, I was walking around feeling like something is wrong. This is not right. And then it wasn't until I took my hormones and started transitioning that, like, my muscles went down. My fat redistributed uh, to my legs. I grew boobs, hair, skin. All that happened. I was like, this is, this is right. This is just right. Um, when it comes to um, some of the worst triggers of it, I found that across the board, um, it's dysphoria. What, what causes a lot of people's dysphoria is based around um, not just the primary sexual characteristics being uh, one's genitalia and organs inside, but also the mostly the secondary characteristics. So for a lot of trans girls, that can be Um, facial shape and construction like the like the jaw the chin the brow Um, on the outside the eyebrows I've seen can cause a lot of dysphoria Um, I've seen a lot of trans girls get dysphoria with their hands because they feel like they're too big or too manly I had a lot of dysphoria around my arms until they thinned out because I had these fucking guns of muscles Um, a lot of trans girls have dysphoria around not having boobs um, or like their hair feels wrong or just, a, or they're suffering hair loss. There's a whole list of things. And what we know is um, they look in the mirror and the image that they see in the reflection isn't congruent with what society deems as the quote unquote femme standard. Like what a, what a woman quote unquote should look like. And it's, it's a product, once again, going back to hashtag the patriarchy, it's a function of sexism and the patriarchy that makes even cis women look at themselves and feel dysmorphic. Um, in this regard, uh, not dysphoria because it's not based around their gender identity, but dysmorphia because what they see does not match what they think a woman or what they have been told a woman should look like and everything. It's, you know, it's a really toxic function of our Western culture and everything. And a lot of it is based in societal norms. Um, Obviously not entirely and not, and not entirely, excuse me, in the regards of dysphoria, because even if there is no one ever going to look at me, I would still feel Dysphoric, even if like I had no one to present to, I would, it, I would still do it and want to do it for me. And that I think is one of the biggest things. Like I did not want to put on, I did not want to take these magic girl pills and look something else and identify the same way. Like I, I could care less what I would look like. I just wanted to feel like my body and mind were congruent with each other after twenty some years when I started and everything, so I'm going to give the talking stick over at this point.
1: Yeah, thank you for sharing that your experience.
0: yeah, I'm no. Sure a lot thank- of
1: that is like some personal stuff, so it's and it's eye opening to hear about that sort of stuff too.
0: Well, that's what we're right. all about like, here on uh, dear Jesse.
1: Yeah. I have um, a couple of sort of similar experiences, of course, not to the same level, but like you, you talked about the hands and like all my life I've been like, Oh my God, I've got gigantic hands. Like I'm a reasonably sized person.
0: God damn it. Uh, I hit the mic again. Oh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) nice to your microphone.
0: I know it keeps slapping Um, it around.
1: (laughs) Next. You're going to call it your bitch.
0: (laughs) Only if it consents.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I've got gigantic hands. I've got some of the biggest hands, um, like, among all the other sort of fems, cis fems that I've ever compared to. It's like, yep, uh, my hands are still bigger. And my feet are big, too. So that's always been something that I've been like, I want to be dainty. I also want to match up with society's idea of what a, a woman should look like. Yeah, something I'm really... Loved.
0: I'm really happy you mentioned feet because shopping for shoes is so fucking hard. I'm like a size 13 Knowing. and a half in women's. It's like great, they're like no shoes for me. <laughs> Wonderful, but um, yeah, yeah. One thing uh, Ruka told me is I was uh, voicing my uh, dysphoria around my hands to her, and she said, you know, when I first saw you in person, I saw your hands. I, even before I knew you were a professional musician, I could tell you were based on your hands. I looked at your hands and I could say like, those are the hands of a bassist. And I was like, I do play bass. And she's like, yeah, I know. We've been friends for how many years? (laughs) It's just like, and then I looked (laughs) at my hands again. I was just like, God damn, I do have the hands of a bassist. Now I feel a lot better. Um, Mm -hmm. Kind of along the same lines as, I, I, you know, I still am extremely dysphoric around my voice, and I had a really rough day with that, like even yesterday, even. And you know, it happens. And then, you know, now I'm on the show, listening to my voice as as I'm recording it, uh, in a new state of having like temporarily conquered it, because you know my daddy hit me with the reminder like, you are a woman and you have a voice. Lastly, so your voice is a woman's voice, and it's just like ding of course and everything and my i'm dysphoric on my voice because i don't quote unquote sound the way a cis woman should quote 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 which we know is bullshit because yeah. there are a lot of cis women with deeper voices than mine and it's and it's all just based in stereotypes and shit
1: yeah 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 um i do have a point here about uh, biological essentialism um, which is a bullshit way of people kind of reasoning that uh the body makes the person, mm-hmm. which is totally fake and made up
0: it totally and is it's...
1: yeah, so if anyone brings that up, you can be like, no, that's not true at all
0: for real, uh Casa coming no, and, in with uh, the oh, I'm sorry,
1: I was about to point that out to you,
0: oh yeah, Casa's uh comment in the chat, yeah. Yeah, Casa writes, favorite uh, Eddie Izzard quote re, uh, in regards to wearing women's clothes. They're not women's clothes. They're my clothes. I bought them. And it's just like, exactly. I love it. <laughs> that, that's literally like my whole philosophy and and everything. Even before I was, um, even before I knew I was trans, that's the same exact uh same exact philosophy I had like I would really enjoy wearing corsets and dresses and skirts and everything while still identifying he him and then um, for a while I identified as non-binary until finally my egg cracked and it's just like haha girl just kidding um, but you know as we know gender is a journey and it can f- ebb and flow and change over time until you find somewhere to land and nest and who knows maybe you may, Pick up that nest and journey some more with your identity. It's all subjective. Um, the last point and you it's have all yours exactly, exactly. Uh, the last point you have is talking about intersectionality. How can we recognize and use it uh, to be better feminists? Which that is fantastic. I'm going to let you uh, do that one because I feel like I totally dominated the slide.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I told you to. Yes, Ergo, you did. This is jazzy slide.
0: Jazzy slide. Yep. <laughs> okay. Uh,
1: intersectionality. Um, just like the main gist of intersectionality is, is realizing that there are different intersections where people's experiences kind of line up differently. Um, so my cis experience is going to be different from the trans experience is going to be different from a uh, person of color's experience is going to be different from someone else's experience. And there are intersections of how your experience lines up with being femme, right? Right. And um, how can we recognize and use it to be better feminists is to not try to speak over someone else because their intersection, like what their life is made up of, um, is probably going to be different from yours. Ergo, their experience is different from yours. Ergo, their um, sort of worldview and information is just as good as yours. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Interse- so giving oh, other
1: people room um, t- to be better with it is just to give other people room. And now let me give you some room. What were you going to say?
0: Oh, no, I feel like I totally interrupted there.
1: <laughs> um,
0: what I was going to say about intersectionality is um, intersectionality. I've heard it described as um, obviously this is totally like my line of work. And the whole idea behind it is you can have a point of relation with, with someone and then um viewing like i may have a point of relation like me and someone else we may both be trans girls and then they are also a person of color and they are also let's say uh a transbian for their uh sexual orientation and then x y and z other identities that is intersectionality it is trans girl plus all these other things And putting all of them together within context to each other creates their experience. And that experience is how we can listen to this person and what they have to say and then further our personal understandings of the world around us and everything. And it's such a beautiful um, it's such a beautiful thing, intersectionality, because it can teach us so much. Uh, essentially how to be better feminists if we're going off of the exact vernacular of the slide, even.
1: Yeah, and that's a perfect way of putting it. Yeah, the X, Y, and the Z coming together is perfect. It's a really good way of putting it.
0: Yeah. So uh, we are on slide five. I'm going to let you take uh this one and then i'm sure i will accidentally interrupt my way into this one but this is performing a role in the western world take it away
1: so i have the questions kind of lined up here in in my weird way of trying to get people to think about things for themselves um by asking open-ended questions uh the first question here is what do femmes look like and why um and, um, sort of the answer to this one, of course, has a lot of different answers. So you could fill in the blank any way that you think is appropriate. But, uh, the way that I would answer this question is a lot to do with, um, sort of this idea of woman as the subservient breeder in the eyes of the Western world and how kind of religion shaped things, um, to make it easier to kind of digest what was going on in the world. Um, And then kind of capitalism took over and was like, what if we could take all that and sell it back to them? Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of our idea of what a fan is now comes from marketing, comes from the advertisements that we see, the people who kind of take those messages and, and magnify them and sort of, Put on clothes and makeup and do up their hair in very particular ways and say that this is it, this is a femme. And like, I don't hate it. I really don't. I'm like, yeah, I think that's attractive and I would like to also be that. Um, but I also do have to be sort of cognizant of that happening and be critical of it and say, okay, but is that femme or is that just someone trying to make money?
0: I'm getting, like, so hype here at my desk hearing about the cross-section between religion and capitalism and sexism and Western culture. I'm getting so hype. Please keep talking.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I don't want to, like, dig too far into it. And that's just me trying to be... um, an easy to digest person. I, I still want to be liked after this, you know, like I don't want to <laughs> step on anyone's toes.
0: If someone's, um, if someone's toes are getting stepped on and they have the word capitalism written across their toes, then they're worthy of getting stepped on. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> yeah. stepped on with steel toes. Mm, absolutely. I'm coming over, over
1: there with my stilettos. Getting ready. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: stomping all over <laughs> capitalism. Just what Lenin wanted. Yeah. All right. yeah
1: so what do femmes look like uh, it really depends on sort of what you want them to look like and what sort of femmes you look up to um, to me femmes are a little softer they typically have softer hair um, and even when they're goths their hair is just so fabulous all the time I love goths. Can you tell?
0: I love goths. Oh, I can tell. I'm, 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 uh, I'm actually blushing here, hearing that as a goth. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, blushing really Softer hard. Softer edges. <laughs> Soft yeah. edges, indeed. Which is funny mm-hmm. because uh, before before COVID, uh, Daddy and I would spend like almost every weekend at our local goth club here in Cleveland, which is actually where uh, Nine Inch Nails got their start. Fun fact. Um, oh wow. Yeah, no, it's really cool. And we would go there and just get all like decked out in like our chains and combat boots and all that good shit. And then still I would still have this air about me that's that was just like soft and gentle and everything, which is which is funny because, you know, we would because all of us in the goth scene, you know, we see each other as like, oh, this is just, you know, our aesthetic. We look really scary to outsiders, but to each other, we're just like, oh, I want to hug you. And we don't even notice the spikes <laughs> and everything.
1: You're so used to it that you know how to avoid them.
0: Exactly. You just get so accustomed to it, and also they're they're usually not real metal, so it's like eh, no big deal.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, also, femmes are usually allowed um, to wear their hair in like ornamental styles and um, wear makeup openly and experiment with like their coloration and things like that. I'm talking about us like animals. Oh my goodness.
0: Yeah. I mean I truly mean, though.
1: Yeah. People should not be uh separated from their natural environments. We're part of the landscape. But uh yeah, it all just kinda like leads back around into what is normal based on kind of what you see and what you accept and what you're told to accept and what you buy and what you don't buy and Um,
0: And to be and to be specific uh, with what you're saying, you're not saying like you're not saying this in the regards of these are not requirements. This is just like the general like when you hear the word femme, this is generally what is evoked based on our Western experiences.
1: Yeah, yeah, this is what my Google image search in my head brings up whenever I type in the word.
0: That is such a good way to put it. But yeah, no, I just wanted to put that in there in case anyone was listening and be like, funny, ABDL is canceled because and it's just like, no, 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 no. We're talking about like the surface level definition of femme, in, just completely independent of whatever someone's gender identity is and is tacking femme onto that and everything. Yeah. Kinda Although like,
1: this wasn't the first time that I'm called a gatekeeper. Oh, um, gods. <laughs> There was a guy who called me, wait for it, Bertha, Keeper of the Gate, (laughs) because I wouldn't let him into my apartment complex.
0: That sounds like a magic card. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Bertha, Keeper of the Gates, (laughs) three and two blue mana. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, that's funny. But please go on. Please go on. (laughs)
1: I just kind of want to skip ahead to the the next question, if that's all right. Uh, Yes. Like, what's it like to be a femme in 2021? And then also in that idea, what's it like to be a femme in the ABDL world?
0: By all means, go ahead.
1: Yeah. So uh, in 2021, the world has opened up just a little bit. And it's enough to kind of make me feel a little bit more comfortable about being femme in my own way. And probably for a lot of other people about being femme in their own way, because, like, the alt-fashion scenes are bigger than ever, of course. They've been growing and growing and growing and growing, and that's not stopped. Like, you can go on Instagram and find alt-fashion within two seconds. And you can follow all these accounts of these people who are just living their best lives, being femme in different ways. Um, and I love it and I can go out wearing whatever the heck I want to work and people just kind of look at it and they go oh okay like I'm decked to the nines in frills from head to toe in pastel pink and people are like that's cool that's great I think 15 years ago people would be like who the fuck are you and who let you in right. here the circus is over that way
0: right um, absolutely i'm sorry
1: yeah how are you feeling in 2021 to bfm uh
0: i'm feeling really good i definitely feel like um speaking specifically about um the alternative culture and gothic experience um obviously i've been hashtag emo crew since uh since i originally joined the black parade back in the mid-2000s and um it, it, you know, it, I'm really happy to see it um, becoming such a thing. And it really makes makes me happy to see, like, a new generation of alternative youths. And because I know that once COVID is over, those will be the kids with fake IDs getting into the goth club and everything, and then Pronto getting kicked mm-hmm. out for trying to buy alcohol with a fake ID. But also, it, you know, it's a nice reminder that my personal scene is alive, And also, it's a good indicator of, like, society is, as a whole, is, like, loosening the restrictions on, like, this is what a femme-identifying person is allowed to do. Um, Mm -hmm. It's really, really cool to see that. um, Especially because, you know, I don't actually like skirts all that much. I actually kind of hate them. Which is kind of, which if I were to say that even like a few years ago, actually I have said that a few years ago and people told me, then you're not a real girl. Then you're not actually trans. If you don't want to wear skirts, you're not actually trans. It's like, fuck you. I will wear pants if I want to, because I am a strong mm-hmm. empowered woman and I will wear my pants. And I mean, obviously now it's like no big deal. <laughs> and it's really, really cool. Um, and then in, in terms of, Outside of my very specific femme experience, we see uh, the mainstreamification of the word femme boy and a lot of identifying femme boys on Twitter. I'm just like, ooh, whenever I see a femboy boy who doesn't have problematic viewpoints, I'm just like instant follow. And it makes me so happy to see mm-hmm. male identifying people adopting the femme moniker and allowing it to become part of their expression and everything. And that's something I really want to put in there is that anyone, regardless of their gender identity is allowed to adopt femme as part of their expression. And it's so cool.
1: Honestly, more power to them.
0: Yeah, for real. I'm
1: so glad that more people aren't seeing femme as a derogatory term.
0: For real though. Mm hmm. So Um, I'm very excited to hear what you have to talk about, Fem, in the ABDL world.
1: Yeah, I think I was talking to you about this uh, a couple nights ago, and I just want to go back to our conversation because I think I had a nice little spicy take.
0: Yeah, no, go for it. Go for it.
1: Yeah. um, Here we go. Right. So I started looking at um, sort of ABDL content right as I was hitting... The appropriate ages to do so um like of course i found out about about it in my earlier teen years but then i didn't really clue into the fact that there'd like be a community or anything about it until i was like 18 or 19
2: mm-hmm. thank
1: goodness but as soon as i got in there i was like oh oh it's a sausage party goodness gracious this is a lot of masculine energy yeah but most of the people that um were being kind of looked at in the community and talked about were these femme people, like the girls from the community who would like put their pictures online and they'd get all this attention. So me coming in as this femme identifying person as, as a girl, um, I felt like to be a femme in the AVDL community was to be a performer. And I felt like I had to put on a show in order to be taken seriously, you know, to, to say, here I am, here's my body. I'm a female.
0: Yeah. You felt Can like I get a... some
1: attention too.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: Oh no. <laughs> I asked for attention and I got it.
0: <laughs> there you go. Uh, I was going to say you felt like a pressure to create some sort of content to pump into the community and everything.
1: Mm -hmm. like to tell everyone I'm a girl um in order to like have people kind of invite me in yeah exactly. it felt icky and it felt disingenuous and I felt like it wasn't really necessary but at the same time there was that pressure
0: right um so I've talked about this on the show before about how I got into the furry fandom and and the ABDL community when I was 14 in 2009. And as a result, I, as everyone, as I said on the show before, I was groomed as a teenager. And that's why I'm very staunch on my position that minors should not be allowed in our community. But Mm -hmm. regardless, I was in the community at that point. And it definitely seemed like from there for many, many, many years later, the, the stereotype in both communities was um, that male identifying people were the ones consuming the content and mm-hmm. femme identifying people were the ones making the content. And when someone mm-hmm. would say, I found this new artist, the response would be, who is she? Or when someone would say, I got a new commissioner, who is he? And it was so stark like the dichotomy mm. there. And, and, it, and it persisted for such a long time until, you know, we started having these conversations about gender identity and sex and everything that those walls started to get broken down. But there definitely is, and I have noticed, like, oh, girl, on the internet, what do you make? It's so... Right. Yeah, it's like, what do you make? What are you trying to sell me? and I can speak like firsthand about this. Like I, even before I was female identifying, I used the name Jasmine starshine, which should have honestly been a clue. Like I've been Jasmine on the internet for like 15 years <laughs> at this point. for a very, very, very long time. And, um, and it's funny. Cause I've watched, I, I had like a front row, exp- not even front row. I've had eight, on the stage experience of like how people on the internet react to a male identifying person versus how I was treated differently when I was presenting myself as femme and as a female identifying person. Like I had, I got to see both of those experiences and beforehand, it's just like, oh, you know, 30 followers, whatever. And now I'm sitting at like 800 <laughs> and, and I'm running a show with people in it and a successful Patreon. And obviously it's 2021 and a lot of those barriers have been broken down. But when I started identifying on the fem side of the equation, I, I instantly saw like an algorithmic shift and... It was weird and icky. Like, as soon, it was almost like as soon as I started changing my profiles to say F on them, it, they almost immediately started getting more attention, more clicks, and all those things. And, you know, I, I really think it kind of backs up the notion that there is this deep seated part of the community that is like men consume, women create. And that's just like gross. And also, Entirely not true, but that's like what mm-hmm. we see hyper represented all the time is we see um, a lot of very by Eurocentric standards, quote, beautiful uh, female identifying people, particularly cis women in a lot of the ads and model positions in the ABDL community. With an exception being tykeables, where it's just macho, 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 macho all the time. And then also, ABU has uh, some male identifying models as well. And it's, it, it, you know, it, it still goes back to this Eurocentrism. And Eurocentrism, don't get me started on that. That's a whole nother episode, that's a whole nother kit caboodle. But, you know, there's this still like stark binary. And everything and you know <laughs> dear Jassy listener at home you know how we feel about the binary here at dear chassis. <laughs> but I, I, t- I
1: have to see one of the shrimp in my tank he got himself stuck out of the water oh no there you go I got him
0: baby but yeah no that's all I was going to say I was about to give you uh, back the talking stick there <laughs>
1: Okay, fantastic. Uh, I think it's incredibly valuable uh, what you've said about having sort of experience on both sides here of like on the masculine side you saw some things and saw how you were treated and then on the feminine side you have almost a completely different experience and it's Mm -hmm. just about um, having your uh, identity marker flipped, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, there was a... Definite cutoff point where you were treated differently. Mm-hmm. So we can't just say, "Oh, it's just anecdotal." Like, yes, it's anecdotal, but like, there it is. Right. Yeah. All we have to do is write it down, and now it's science.
0: Exactly. If we write it down, um. that makes us scientists. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I'll go. Uh, I'll go write up some grants right now.
0: Excellent. <laughs>
1: um. But yeah, okay. So, like the next question here, I think we covered um, what it's like to be femme in the ABDL world pretty well here. The next part of the question is, what do you find yourself doing to reinforce your femme identity, and do you like it? Um, and my stuff that I that I usually do to reinforce my femme identity is wearing makeup in public, uh, wearing my hair long, um, wearing stereotypically femme clothes like the stretchy skinny jeans. Um, that make my butt look good and cute t-shirts from the women's section and also wearing Lolita fashion out in public and kind of finding it a way to um, tell the world, hello, I'm femme. And I suppose I do like it because it doesn't feel forced to me. It's Mm -hmm. just stuff that I already kind of enjoy taking the time to do for myself.
0: Right. And then for me, um, since I, you know, live inside of, you know, an alternative based subculture, I find myself and, you know, being sort of on like the Demi, uh, kind of on the Demi edge in terms of my expression and presentation. um, And when it comes to my femme identity, a lot of it has to come from like, a lot of it comes from like my, I don't want to say, like, my sensibilities, but, like, how I interact with the world and everything. And when it comes to my actual presentation and everything, you know, I, I do find myself dressing femme by alternative goth and emo community standards and everything. But what's also nice about those is pretty much everything is fairly unisex, and anyone can wear anything. So uh, uh, the emo scene and the goth scene are very, very... Um, androgynous, which is why I'm probably drawn to them so much, is because anyone can wear anything. And that was certainly an, an appeal for me when I was a teenager, and it certainly is now at 25 and everything. Um, so a lot of my my uh, femme identity comes out in the form of just, like, how I interact with the world, how I stand up for myself, how my body has changed with my hormones, how I interact with others and everything, and that sort of thing. And, like, Moreover, how it, it goes down to little things like how um, like the type of glasses frames that I wear and like the type of gauges that I put in my ears and like the design uh, that informs my my uh, my collar and all that sort of thing. I, I guess uh, one of the examples that someone gave is like you're femme in the regards that Billie Eilish <laughs> is, I'm just like, that's a perfect way to describe it. It's just like comfortable baggy clothes. And it's just like, you know, that like sweatshirt aesthetic and everything. Mm. Kind of reinforcing the whole idea of like femme is whatever you make it to be and everything. As long as it's like your femme.
1: Yeah. Do you like
0: that? Oh, I love it.
1: That's good. Do you feel any sort of pressure to do things to be femme or is it just kind of go with
0: the flow i think i kind of used to and then i entered my (laughs) mid-20s i i think yeah i think i definitely used to especially when i was um kind of starting out and rebranding myself as female identifying in the abdl community um Mm. And, and definitely in terms of just like, oh, my hair isn't long enough. My arms are too big. I'm not wearing the right kind of onesie for like my pictures. And in like when, when I used to have my Instagram and it definitely like there was a there's a very like hard and fast aesthetic. And at the time it was the, the opinion on Instagram, which is an extremely toxic place for ABDL because it's full of like the the toxic side of the DDLG side of things where it's just like hard binary, trans equals yuck, like all the worst parts of our community. and it was mm. just like mm mm-mm, I don't I don't like this. And also just the whole yeah. pressure of people like doing wish fulfillment and wishing for these like completely unrealistic like scenarios and life situations. And then I just kind of like, got to a point where it's just like, I will be femme in my own way. And if someone says that I'm not femme enough, then that's fine. Like, I definitely have gotten comments about how I have, um, like I ha- like how I have my very dramatic undercut. And I was like, why don't you grow your hair? out? it'll be so pretty. And so feminine. It's just like, cause it's, cause I'm very sweaty and, that, and hair gets hot if you don't have an undercut. It's, it's good for venting. And it's just like my hair is so much easier to take care of and brush out and do things with with my undercut. And that's just like one example of just like a personal choice and everything. And also, I really like giving off very queer vibes. And I found that uh, having an undercut... Signals very clearly, like I am a queer individual <laughs> and everything. Uh, I
1: was about to say, like undercuts look cool as fuck. I love the look of them.
0: Yeah, no, they're I especially they're...
1: love how they look on thems.
0: Oh my god, for real though, I, I think it, <laughs> there was like one time where someone said, like you give off like really big butch vibes, and it's just like, thank you. That's exactly what I'm going <laughs> for. <laughs> Which in and of mm-hmm. itself is, like, a kind of femme identity.
1: hmm mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just, like, a little personal tidbit here is, like, I love coming off as, like, the feminist femme who ever femmed. Mm-hmm. But I do prefer people who kind of skirt the boundary.
0: Uh, hey, it's me!
1: I love looking at them. I just... I love everything about them. I just think they're the coolest thing ever. They're oh, the bees knees. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and uh, and the next thing here that I have on the slide, if if you're okay with me moving forward,
0: oh yeah, go for it.
1: Yeah, is uh, I just kind of asked like, what do you do to feel seen and respected? Where my answer to this question would be, um, I do my best to up- uplift other femmes to say, yeah, I see you being a femme, and I love you. Um, I surround myself with positive role models people who I can look up to. I think critically about media and market forces and what they're doing to me and how I can kind of um navigate my way through them in a way that makes sense to my worldview and my morals. Um I wear alternative fashions, uh, to express myself and also to like boost my self confidence because compliments don't hurt. I like what I look like in the mirror whenever I wear that. Yeah.
0: Uh, um, listeners at my- home if you just heard a hum come over my mic uh that's because i turned on the fan at my desk uh no your sound system is not glitching up it's literally just the fan at my desk that i cannot edit out in post i'm sorry uh Fonny, please continue do
1: you have to have a <laughs> do you have to have a fan on because you're such hot stuff
0: oh thanks i'm blushing again it's
1: doing my job um like the alternative fashion that I wear is Lolita fashion, of course, which has been mentioned like four times already because I can't stop talking about it.
0: Um, it's a Lolita good thing fashion to talk about. for me is
1: about yeah, it's about claiming space and attention with frills and like the fashion for me, the way that I wear it, I wear petticoats with it. So it's it is really about taking up space. I'm like uh, a good three quarters of a yard wide, whenever I I wear that Lolita fashion. Some people wear even bigger petticoats or they have a bigger body size, so they just end up taking more space anyways, and it's wonderful. Um, and, like, I don't like having my body looked at that much, so it's really nice to be able to put on this armor of grills, um and still be seen but not have sort of the shape of me shown off.
0: Mm-hmm. Kind of mm-hmm. along the same lines. Um, I guess my armor would be this... This like tr- this gothic trench coat I have, and it has like a bunch of like hangy bits and like buckles and zippers, and it has like buttons and snaps and hangy down bits that like kind of skirt and like drag against the floor, and it creates kind of the same idea. This is me taking up space in a vertical sense, and mm-hmm. there's just these hangy bits, and the tension. It, it's like it kind of like shields my body from view in like this vertical kind of all black version of what you just described instead of frills, like zippers and chains and stuff. And it's like a very similar, in my opinion, it's like a similar type of like end goal in the presentation with in of itself a very (laughs) different type of presentation in terms of alternative fashion
1: yeah, I'm just imagining like you with that trench coat with all the things on it, you become a very dangerous box.
0: It's true. <laughs> and then underneath it is just a rebels <laughs> <laughs> Indeed.
1: Don't so, look behind the green curtain.
0: Yes, don't don't unzip the trench coat. There's diapers underneath. <laughs> you can't hear the crinkle with all the jingle. Oh goodness. So Mm -hmm. it looks like we've reached um, sort of the end of our uh, bullet points here. Are you ready to get into the questions?
1: I think so. And we're only like, you know, 40 minutes late on getting to this part.
0: Everything that we've said
1: has been super important.
0: You know, every guest I have on the show, they say like, oh, I talked for too long. It's just like the show is as long as it needs to be. Like, I am yeah. the arbiter of what the show is and is not. And if it goes long, it goes long. <laughs> so go Earth for it.
1: Do you want me to read out the first
0: one? I would love that.
1: OK, um, I'm sorry if I get the pronunciation wrong, but whenever I see your name, it's uh, Makesy, the Babzerker. Oh, I and like that. Makesy says, uh, Dear Twitch TV dot, uh, slash Jasmine Starshine and Master of the Cloth, Fawny. When you're in little space, what is your go-to little outfit? Do you prefer a less is more style, or do you go all out with a full head-to-toe outfit? From goodest moose boy, makes a maxi.
0: That's a really good question. Um, I know for me, um, it can it can vary based on like what the activity is going to be. Like if I'm just going to be like soft and sleepy and just like kind of curl up on a blanket on the floor, or just like snuggle. I'll kind of wear, like, what I'm wearing today is, like, a a big sweatshirt, like, a big soft hoodie that just, like, just covers my padding and that sort of thing, and I feel sufficiently little. And then uh, another good, like, Lazy Day outfit is um, one of my onesies, which my favorite onesie is um, the... Oh, I forget what it's called. It's, like, one of the space prints from uh, from little's lab. It it's the black one with the rocket ships and the stars and it has blue trim, which is funny because be, it's so cute. And I love blue, which is funny because so many people, Oh, you're, if you're a girl, you have to like pink. It's just like, yeah, I love pink. And also I'm a blue internet dog. So, and my hair is bright blue. So it's perfect. And, um, that is like my favorite onesie and it's so comfy I've worn it so many times that one of the snaps is broken off. I'm really sad about it. But um, yeah, no, I, I love that onesie. That's like my go to like snuggle little space onesie when it comes to like if I'm going to like do some like activities or like go out somewhere. I usually wear one of those onesies with one of my pairs of uh, short alls, which a lot. Most of my short actually come from Hot Topic because this summer. They had so many good designs for shortalls, and it's just like I'm going to need all of these. And they make they pair so well with all of my ABDL outfits and everything. Just throw on some programmer socks with those, and I'm good to go.
1: Yeah, uh, I think there's a lot of um, like new alternative and queer coded fashion that's coming around um, these days. That just works perfectly in little's wardrobes. For Honestly, real, shortalls short hauls love them um but like my go-to outfit idea it's it's pretty low-key like i don't go like full-on baby like i'm not a onesie person so for me it's usually like cute skirt all and a t-shirt and sneakers and roughly socks
0: that's cute that's That's precious yeah (laughs) i'm all about my
1: uh... who what you're all about what now
0: oh i'm all about my onesies because i need daddy to help me into them (laughs)
1: Aww. Yeah. That's so cute. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and about the broken snap. Um mm-hmm. you can probably sew, like just hand sew a new snap on there, beside what the old one and broken one was.
0: Oh for totes. Uh I have not sewn since before I got kicked out of Boy Scouts and uh, given the little knife accident I had the other day cooking dinner, I don't think Daddy would trust me with a needle and thread. So if we ever hang out, I might be like, "Help me," <laughs> or like throw it yeah. to Daddy and have him help. Which is funny because both of yeah, us.
1: If we end up going to the same event, I'll do
0: that. <laughs> right, which would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What uh, is- is it?
1: Next question time.
0: Yes, it is next question time.
1: All right. Am I the dedicated reader for the night or do we want to switch off?
0: Uh, we can switch off if you want. Uh, do you want to do that? Let's do that. Cool. Yep. Little pet sluggy with 100% es. dear jazzy pooper pants, fuck you, and Fonny, manipulator <laughs> of silk, what are some of your favorite arts and crafts you like to do in and out of little space from today's sponsor, Slimy Slug?
1: Well, I like to manipulate silk.
0: Yellow. obviously
1: but no very related i like to sew um and whenever i'm in little space i think uh something that's kind of similar is doing like little yarn crafts or doing those little like kitty kits that you might be able to find at the dollar store or uh if you ever go to like the bookstore and they've got those little books that are also crafting kits love em. oh
0: love those
1: very little space
0: um i'm mm-hmm. a huge fan of coloring but i feel like that's pretty standard um i also really love putting together my warhammer models um when i'm in little space which i know people are just like oh warhammer is a fam fuck you anyone can play warhammer and i I really to
1: get a a plastic crack there's no shame in that
0: exactly let me have my plastic crack um (laughs) i love my plastic crack i love putting together my high elf spear boys it's a lot of fun it's so fun And uh, specifically putting them together, because painting them, you know, it it requires all of my big spoons in order to paint those tiny little fuckers. But actually building them, because I'm, I'm even as like an actual child, I was always into like very constructive toys and constructive hobbies where you start with parts and you end with a thing and there's a huge sense of accomplishment in that. And doing that in little space, I have like a really intricate model where I can be like, look what I made daddy. And then he says, Oh, good girl. Time for your dicking. (laughs) And that sort of thing. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I, uh, both of my siblings, um, had, uh, Warhammer collections as when I was a kid. So I kind of grew up with them in the house. Yeah. That's fucking and, rad. Like I, I know a bunch about it. Of course, not everything. But uh, yeah, it's it's kinda of funny like talking to people about Warhammer and they're like, Oh, you're into it? And I'm like, no, I just I know people. Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: Your you can't siblings not know about it. Right. Your siblings house. and Jazzy. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh,
1: next question is from Jamie Bell. Jamie Bell J B says meow says uh dear jazzy and phony my subs have unionized what do i do from jamie bell at whole foods
0: uh what do you do if your subs unionized uh you support them comrade uh yeah
1: you make sure that they thrive
0: you make sure that they thrive comrade because that's what you do with unions next question <laughs>
1: <laughs> next question uh, is one for you to read
0: oh duh <laughs> from cutie cake Nate, which is really cute. Uh dear Jasmine Teen and fondue dip. I like those. Uh, what are some good clothing options or outfits that can be good for feeling little in public, hiding diapers, or also low key from the fluffernator? Mm-hmm. Ooh, uh,
1: good clothing options or outfits that can be good in public. Uh, hiding diapers and are also low key. Ooh, um, short alls or just overalls in general are great. Absolutely. Um, plus, just room, I guess. Um, skirts are always a fantastic choice uh, if you're comfortable wearing them. Or like long sweater. Long sweater and nice pair of pants.
0: Long sweater very good. with big floppy sleeves is peak little yes. vibes.
1: Agreed. 100% agreed.
0: Yes. And also, as someone who not infrequently wears onesies out with jeans or with short dolls, you can totally get away with wearing a onesie as long as it doesn't have like the little shoulder things. You know what? I, you know what I mean? As long as it doesn't have like the little shoulder things and it just looks like, you know, a shirt that you would tuck into some sort of pants yes the shoulder snaps thank you Jamie um, you can totally wear that underneath pants and make it look like you're tucking it into your shirt or like tie like a sweatshirt around it and boom there you go yeah
1: um, but also like I don't think it's, it's um, gonna be too much to worry about like if you wanted to wear diapers or something in public or like pretty much whatever you want um, because people don't care about you as much as you think that they might. Yeah. And if they do mention anything to you, then they're an asshole.
0: Yeah. As someone who wears diapers in public, it's really not a big deal. It's I was scared at first and then I got used to, like, the convenience of it. It's just like, oh, I don't have to go into a gross bathroom full of cis people that will try to clock me just to pee. Fantastic.
2: Mm hmm.
0: So, do you want to do the next one from Juicy?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've just been color coding all the rest of them, so we know where to switch off.
0: <laughs> As a dyslexic, that makes Juice. me very happy.
1: Yeah. Uh, Juice Goose, uh, Juice Box Art says, Dear Jazzy and Fanny, what are your biggest ABDL clothing pet peeves? Things you see in most produced uh, and manufactured clothing catering to ABDLs and probably in general that you feel is troublesome or needs improvement on, like designs or cuts or styles, et
0: more than anything what do you know the sleeves need to be bigger because lots of people have bigger biceps than like the tiny little pencils that make (laughs) these garments make the sleeves fucking bigger and also longer so people who are dysphoric or Mm -hmm. dysmorphic about their arms don't feel as crappy um but besides that um have accessible sizing for a lot of different people because it's like I wear a one X in a one or a two X in Littles lab sizes. And that makes me feel like gross when I look at like the amount of X's and I look at myself in the mirror. And it's just like I'm not like I'm not like large or what an ableist person would call quote quote fat. Why am I wearing so many Xs in my garment? And it just like I don't know. I don't like that. Uh, So having clothing options with sizes that are realistic is so huge. And then my other one is um, I've talked about this on Twitter before, but you may be able to help me out. You know how you unfold a diaper and then you unfold. So it's like long ways. And then you unfold like the flaps that have like the tapes on them. What are those girls? Are those called like wings or what are those?
1: Called wings, and also, what are you doing unfolding them? I thought that was your daddy's job. D- uh, uh,
0: okay, uh, so when daddy unfolds <laughs> them, oh wow. Okay, uh, mm, okay. I'm what are you
1: doing? You. <laughs> mm, <laughs>
0: okay. Uh, but yes, I would call them wings. Okay, make the wings that so have the tapes on them longer, not wider, not bigger tapes, just longer. We have been we meaning ab deals with hips um we have been saying this forever we don't need an overall bigger diaper we just need those to be longer because we have hips and guess what it doesn't hurt anyone who doesn't have those oh Sky <laughs> says oof jazzy getting reset like teddy just haha <laughs> funny hot dog doctor what the f- <laughs> um <laughs> it doesn't hurt literally anyone to make them longer you just like tape them closer together and for me i would be able to wear a medium if they were just longer yeah the only reason why i wear a large is because i've got a fucking booty that people pay money to see thank you and also it's just like it's just so frustrating because it makes me feel it makes me feel a certain kind of way about my body being like oh great here's the fucking large it's just like if those are just longer I could slap those suckers on and piss in them all day talking stick
1: yes okay yes I was about to say um, to make them with the longer wings would just be such a lifesaver like I take a look at the size chart and I'm like am I really the second to largest size out of four sizes for real like I don't know. People look at me and they're like, yeah, it's skinny. And yet here I am wearing a large from ABU and Bambino and Rears, all of the brands. I'm a large.
0: For real. And it's just like, just, just because making, we're like blessed. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: then, um, and then of course, uh, gosh, now I've lost my train of thought because I'm just mad about this.
0: It's a good thing to be mad And then, about. of course,
1: all the other parts of the diaper are just too big on me because the wings are just not enough to wrap around my hips. Right. And so I have to buy a larger size.
0: Like, it almost looks comical. Like, <laughs> because, like, the rest of it is so big and all I need is just longer wings. It's like, I guess I could get, like, tape extenders, but that's not aesthetic. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think we knocked this question out of the park. Do we want to do the Ooh, next Except
1: there show? is one more thing that I know Ooh. that Juicebox wants me to say. Because uh, I was angry the other night. Uh, this is going to be a theme. I just I get mad about fashion. Go for it. Um, skirts and other pieces of clothing that are just unflattering. Mm. Like, no matter how you style it, it's always going to look bad. Uh, I hate trapezoid-shaped skirts. Where yes. Like, there's no gathering to the top where it hits the waistband at all. It's just kind of a flat piece of fabric that's been sewn on to kind of have a skirt shape. But it has no volume to it. So it just hangs off of you and clings to everything. It doesn't look good. And, like, sometimes you can get away with it. And, like, skater dresses are kind of cut that way. And some of them look pretty nice if they've got, like, the right motifs or designs on them. But overall, I find those trapezoid-shaped skirts where they've got no gathering at the waistband at all to be some of the ugliest things that I've ever seen in my entire life, and no one should ever buy them.
0: For real, for real. If you like them,
1: more power to you, but I hate them.
0: I'm going to extend that. Make femme clothing for people that make, make cuts of femme clothing that fits onto male presenting and identifying bodies for fuck's Mm -hmm. sake please make femme clothing that doesn't just fit femme identifying people it's oh my Mm -hmm. god sales would go through the roof
1: also please make button-up shirts for people of every size
0: yes this (laughs) (laughs) all right hey soup what's up uh shall we do the next one
1: and as you can see it's color cut of blue
0: it's blue for for, you. for me dear femme crew uh what is your ideal abdl outfit if you are looking to show it off at a con or something opposite what is your ideal lil's outfit to wear to the zoo or something that's from skywalker bap rancher
1: I think it's supposed to be. And I, I copied this directly from the Discord. This is not my typo. But uh, here it is spelled Squawker. <laughs> Squawker. I like Squawker. it. Um, my ideal, ideal outfit to show off at a con is pretty much what I mentioned earlier with, like, cute t-shirt and a skirt all and tiny little um, ruffled socks and really cute sneakers. Cute. Um for something really low key, I'd probably wear a more mature skirt. I like skirts. Um like my usual day-to-day adult wear is pants, but whenever I'm feeling a little more little, it's it's skirts. I like my corduroy skirts.
0: At a con, um I would say like my favorite onesie, and then my galaxy print short from Hot Topic. Although those who met me at um Capcom last year which hello everyone um i'm looking at it right now i have uh the blinky poncho uh funny i bet you'll get a kick out of this it's literally just like a poncho made of blanket blizzard fleece and the inside I is I've all rainbows I love them. yeah no it's so cozy and it has like a hood and a giant fucking pocket I was rocking that like all weekend with just like that, a T-shirt, no bra, no pants, just diaper and just rocking out. And it was really cozy. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, like just my fursuit with like a diaper underneath. Uh, People really love the jazzy fursuit and and I'm sad that I don't get to wear her more often.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. And to the zoo, uh, you got to wear either a safari or a little paws underneath it. Like, let's be real. Oh, of
1: course.
0: Of course. I was
1: being so stupid. I should have known.
0: (laughs) All right. Shall we do the next one?
1: Yeah. Uh, Oh, it's going to be me for this one, I think. Yeah. It's uh, the first part of a two-parter from Cloud Puddles. First part is, dear Fawny and Jazzy, would you please discuss the differences between sissy clothing and Lolita clothing and discuss the nuances of both? Because I know that there are a few crossovers. But there's also distinct differences in opinions I know you both have on them. Also, what takes do you have on the sissy kink in general? What do you think people confuse the most about it and what gets muddled? Cheers, Cloud Puddles.
0: Tackling the sissy part first because that's a big can of worms, so we're just going to rip the lid right off and tackle it. Um, I I think you said it perfectly. Uh, Sissy is a kink, whereas Femme is an identity. And Mm -hmm. I think sissy serves only to reduce a whole gender expression and gender identity down to a kink and I also think sissy is a kink because it draws a lot of its kink power from humiliation because the whole like draw of sissy is like oh I'm a big strong man I'm being emasculinated I'm becoming weak and I'm becoming like a stupid bimbo little girl and it's just like it's, it's like yucky. And also a lot of the quote unquote, you know, just a lot of the pink diapers that get marketed and created are effectively made for the sissy market. The only one that I felt was really good at being like a feminine diaper was the ABU Lavender. And I mm. mourn, I mourn the loss of that diaper because that was by far my favorite and, but it's just, like, there are so many just pink diapers. I haven't been able to do that in, like, 30 episodes. Um, there are so many <laughs> just hardcore pink diapers out there, and it's so obvious that. And, and it's just, like, even in, like, the models that wear them, it's just, like, that is a male-identifying person wearing a hardcore pink diaper that is, that's, that's clearly being marketed towards sissies and not, like, feminine-identifying people. And it's really frustrating. It's also a thing like that we see at like at the gay bar and at the gay club that we go to here in Cleveland, where it's like there are a lot of trans people that go there. And then there are the quote unquote weekend trans that are just like entirely male identifying throughout the work week. And then they put on a dress in really terrible lipstick. And it's just like. Hello, I'm a girl. And then it they're just not female identifying and they still insist on being called he him. But also those are the people that become the face of like the trans movement because the media sees them and it's just like, oh look, a trans person, click the camera, and it's just like, great. Now someone who isn't even trans is now the the poster child of the movement. And when people Namely the media sees ABDL They'll see a sissy and be like Oh look a man in a skirt Click this will sell Tabloids and it's so It's so frustrating Because I feel like sissy Takes a lot of the spotlight And attention away From actual female identifying People in particular Trans women in the ABDL community And they enter a space and take up A ton of space in in like femme spaces and they just like take up all that bandwidth and make it like about them and it's like for them it's a costume and i think that's what's like most offensive about it it's just like you're putting on basically a woman costume and then you get to take it off and go about your life This isn't a costume. My boobs are real. They make milk. I can't take them off. They're part of my body. This isn't like a costume. This is me. And it's just like, I don't have... I traded in my male privilege card years ago, like half a decade ago, in order to be happy with my body. And it just, you know, I don't know. I don't like it. I'll probably get canceled for saying that. But also, it's just like... Like... Sissy in and of itself, is a perfectly fine kink, and I'm by no means kink shaming. But just be, you know, aware of it, and definitely don't do it in the regard of like humiliation and like, oh, I'm emasculated, and it's ugh, it, it's so frustrating. And it's just like you can be a manly man and enjoy wearing a dress. Like manly men wearing dresses is, I find that really attractive. Like. Harry Styles on uh, the magazine cover wearing the dress. Fuck. I was all about that. I loved that. I want to see more of that. And it's just like, if we can take sissy from where it is as like, I'll say it outright as being sexist and turn it into that, what we're seeing now, I would be elated. So uh, I'm going to talking sick. Now I'm going to get off of my soapbox.
1: Okay. (laughs) Okay. Right, so I think you have a bunch of really good points in there. Like, I can't find anything to disagree with um, in there. And I just kind of want to continue on, like, um, the thoughts of sissies being allowed to do what they do. I really appreciate it whenever sissies are kind of critical uh, or think critically of, like, what they're doing and what they're, what they're putting out in the world.
2: Nice. And
1: they, they they kind of choose their words in order to say... Um, you know, not all all femmes or not all women uh, are represented by what I'm doing because I'm not trying to be that right um, mm-hmm. I'm like it's it's a kink that I explore with my art quite often I really like the sort of the, the humiliation aspect of it, that's something that I'm into um, I'm also into like female specification and I totally do see it as as a costume that you can take off at the end of the day And to be able to say that, to be like, this isn't something I'm I'm hoping to sort of represent. Um, This isn't something that I think is real, um, is very important Um, to not project that on other people, to not take what you think the femme experience is and project it on other people is very important. Um, And I know that there's like a little bit of moral juxtaposition here of like, me saying yes I really like it Uh, but also me being critical of it and kind of having these thoughts of sissy in general is kind of a negative thing because of the way that it takes um, hyper femininity and and youthful femininity and makes it this, this humiliating experience and a lot of the people who like sissification they're um kind of driven by the idea that being a girl is somehow humiliating somehow degrading
0: so i really like what you said i really really do because it you know reinforces that sissy is a perfectly valid kink and i really like your approach to it because it sounds like you're saying like A character is being put into an expression that is not naturally their own, wherein causing the humiliation for donning, you know, like if I were to be put in like hyper femme clothes, I would definitely feel a little, a little embarrassed because that's not like, that's not my like aesthetic. And that's not my, that's not like my, my expression of femme. And I really like what you mm. said. I kind of had a light bulb moment when you said female sissification because, you know, I am a girl and then putting put in hyper femme clothes, I would be like female sissification And, you know, that yeah. was like a, yeah, no, that's perfect. Because it sounds like you're approaching it from the angle of like putting someone who is not normally hyper femme in a hyper femme situation, regardless. And, and it's based on the expression and not Based on the whole, like, I am a woman, thusly I am humiliated approach that a lot of other people take it. So it's just like, yes, I'm just like, I'm, I'm like, I'm, you don't see me, but I'm like gesturing at my desk and talking with my hands because I'm excited. And this is good. And this is what I want Sissy to be. And it's just like, he said so much more eloquently than me. I'm like clapping at my desk. I'm excited. I'm sorry. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And, oh, uh, Cloud did start out, uh, Sky did start out by um, asking about the differences between sissy clothing and Lolita clothing, which I think is also something very much worth talking about because I'm so sick and tired of people equating the two or kind of um, lumping images of sissies in with pictures of Lolitas in their image compilations. Of things that they like, right?
0: I'm going to let Um, you, like, go off on that. I'm going to mute my mic because I need to close the heat vent because it's really hot up here. I'm just going to mute my mic and just let you just go off because I'm really excited to listen to this.
1: I don't think I'm going to have any, like, have any really big hot takes on this one. It's just going to kind of be, like, a little overview of what the differences are. Um, Lolita clothing is part of a luxury hobby, right? Like, um, looking for and buying and collecting and wearing Lolita clothing is about putting really nice, beautiful things on your body or just filling your closet with beautiful, really high quality garments. Um, and for some people it's about the brands that they collect. And for some other people, it's just about what the dresses look like, but there's a general understanding um, amongst most of the community, that Alita clothing is supposed to be high quality. It's supposed to look really nice. It's supposed to look like something you could get from a high street store. Um, it's supposed to have beautiful decoration on it or a beautiful print or um, just something that makes it pop out as this elegant, beautiful piece of clothing um same goes for like all the accessories that go with it and accessorizing your outfit and making a whole cohesive cohesive look for yourself if that's what you're into like i don't know i wear some simple stuff every uh um most of the time like i wear a little little bow and a nice simple ish dress but it's still high quality with nice decorations on it And plain socks, maybe with a little lace or like a little heart motif on it. And then cute, simple pink shoes. That's my go-to wearing Lolita to work sort of an outfit. Um, Love it. But you can still look at it and say, that's high quality. That looks nice. Sissy has been commodified to the point that I have trouble finding high quality pieces. Whenever I look through sissy clothing. It's all about the big over the top look. It's all about wearing stereotypically sort of young femme flirty babyish big skirts with so many decadent frills that you can't even see what's underneath. Um and it's it's more about sort of the humiliation than the, the costume aspect of this is just dress up clothes for me or this is not about the clothes themselves but about how they make me feel um and the skirts are generally shorter and the petticoats are usually bigger like gosh those are some huge petticoats
0: for real though and
1: and the cuts are more um they they they're babyish I want to say or they're part of costumes, like little maid costumes and nurse costumes and things like that. Um, so whereas one tries to be taken as legitimate fashion, the other one is very much costume.
0: Right. I think that's absolute perfect. I, I cannot add anything to that that was perfect.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just, I get so upset, I get so heated whenever I see like, people dump Lolita dresses and sissy dresses into the same files.
0: You can even (laughs) tell, like, one is, like, mass produced and one is, like, hand stitched. You can, it's so obvious, even to someone who is completely uninformed about sewing and fabric and that whole science and art. Even I can tell when something is just like, oh, yeah, this is like a cheap piece from Little for Big versus this is something that, like, is like, there's... like five of a kind made in Japan by one person. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And like, they're not as rare as that, like not to be like you're wrong, but like uh, more to be like just some general information. Mm-hmm. Um, most Lolita dresses are made in runs of like a couple thousand pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then most of them are only put up for that limited run. And then they're not available after that. So you might be able to get a piece in like a one-hour window or a one-month window, depending on how popular this piece is. Um, mm-hmm. And then some some are mass-produced, and you can get them anytime you want because they're they're made on demand, and that depends on the brand that makes them. But um, yeah, the Lolita dresses are not as rare as people might think that they are. mm Hmm. And I'm just, I'm putting it out there. If you want to start wearing Lolita, it's, it might look pretty hard, but it's not, there are things out there for you.
0: That's good. Uh, I definitely, you know, that, that's a perception that I had and I'm glad that I got some more uh, clarity on that.
1: Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a hyper fixation that I'm glad that I had once upon a time.
0: <laughs> Indeed. All right, so I'll mm-hmm. read. But if you the, wanted
1: to go at the, the second part of this question here.
0: Perfect. Yeah, jinx. Uh, this reads also from Cloud Puddles. Dear Fonny and Jazzy, do either of you run into trouble expressing your gender identity in your own way? Uh, also, what are some ways to handle opposition to you freely, uh, safely expressing your most genuine self that doesn't involve a baseball bat or a nine iron? Cheers from Cloud Puddles.
1: Am I allowed to answer even though you've jinxed me?
0: <laughs> yes yes you are i'll allow it
1: oh thank goodness okay thank you um yeah uh honestly i get weird looks whenever i wear lolita like whenever i'm like kind of in the middle of the road film people don't notice at all i'm just kind of accepted because it's like i'm wearing what everyone else is wearing um but whenever i go out in lolita i get some interesting comments i get are you in a play mm-hmm. i get um what is this I get oh are you a dancer a performer uh dancing is something that I have not done in a long time so I couldn't even say yes to that um and sometimes I'll get like it's it's always older white men who have the stupidest questions for real and it really depends on where we are like sometimes I'll be out at a market and um there'll be lots of goods on display and an older white man will ask me, Oh, are you for sale too?
0: Ugh, fucking gross. Or what makes your
1: skirt so big? What under your skirt? Oh, um, and like, Oh, what's the occasion? What do you mean? What's the occasion? I'm the occasion. Yeah. And it, it's taken a little while to get my confidence up to the point that I can pretty much say whatever I, I want to these people, because like they've just said whatever they want to me. So why can't I do that to them? Right. Um, and one of my favorite responses is, I don't know how to respond to that. Because it makes them feel so awkward.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Just say, I don't know how to
1: respond to that.
0: It. Yeah, no, turning it around on them is like so good.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, Skywalker Ranch just said, as a cishet white man, we ask these questions because where we would have a uterus, we instead have the audacity.
0: Skywalker wrench. I am awarding you one queer fam credit. (laughs) You can stow that away in your cishead white man wallet because that was a good take.
1: (laughs) Cash it in later for some jazzy point bucks.
0: Jazzy points. Yep. Uh, I I think for me it's just like, on one hand, queer people saying that I'm not doing enough to claim the identity of femme and just like, Oh, you can't be, you can't really be trans. If, be, 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 fuck you. And then on the other side, it's, um, it, it's cis people looking at me when I, when I go to fucking McDonald's and I just want some a goddamn hamburger. And it's just like, hi, welcome McDonald's. Can I take your, and then I'll say, yeah, can I get a, and then immediately people just stare and look at me because my voice isn't what they expect it to be. And it's so frustrating uh, in terms of safely express expressing my gender without a baseball or a nine iron, I just go for the good old fashioned switchblade baby. Um, <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, uh, joking aside, aside from keeping myself safe as a trans woman, because we're statistically highly at risk, um, keeping myself safe. I just avoid eye contact as much as possible With other people, I just like don't engage and just hyper like actively ignore while also trying to like actively surveil my landscape. And also, I don't like going anywhere alone, even if it's like to the bank or to the grocery store. I always take daddy with me because if I go Mm -hmm. alone, I will likely get into some trouble. Like I was going to the liquor store um, the other day and an old man smashed his cart into my fucking car. And I said, you just did this thing. It's on the camera. And he started like yelling at me and like walking towards me, like physically threatening me. It's just like, well, great (laughs) reinforces that. I don't feel safe anywhere. And it's just, you know, Mm -hmm. one of those really like, like knowing when to like, like I'm going to lose this fight and like taking other options to like, get out of the situation while also exacting justice. And uh, it's exhausting. It's truly exhausting. Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah, knowing the statistics, just, yeah, you don't want to take any chances.
0: Yeah, no, it's just like, I'm not going to be a statistic today. This Trumper is probably, probably has a gun and I just have a knife. I'm not going to win this fight, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Gloom and doom aside, being a trans girl is fucking rad because I am pretty as hell. Uh, <laughs> kind of trying to bring that up. Uh, do you want to read the one from Skywalker Ranch?
1: Um, Squawker Ranch.
0: Squawker. Yes.
1: Squawker. Uh, Squawker says, Dear Fazzy, uh, which is a funny and jazzy smashed together. Uh-huh. Uh, what is the best fit for when you're dismantling the oppressor systems of power and or dunking on Trumpers?
0: Uh, the best fit. What is the maximum drip we can achieve? Oh my god! <laughs> Soup coming in with the picture of Jesse with a knife. <laughs> 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 Literally fucking me when I go anywhere. It's like really, I just want my mics are lemonade. I don't want to have to poke a bitch for my mic's heart. Um, but yeah, what is the what is the maximum drip we can achieve while dismantling the systems that be?
1: Ooh. I think for you, I'd put you in your trench coat. Yes. Yeah. And big stompy boots. Yes. And a couple of knives just like tucked away underneath, but
0: uh, hey, easy hey.
1: enough to reach.
0: Yeah.
1: Don't put them anywhere weird.
0: Or don't um, give the baby a knife.
1: Baby needs a knife.
0: <laughs> it's true. This is my security yeah. knife.
1: <laughs> and. have your hair in its usual um, undercut, nicely, freshly dyed. Yes. Got to represent your colors. Absolutely. Mm
0: Got to keep my branding on point.
1: And underneath your trench coat, I would want to put you in some nice natural fibers so that you stay cool while you're dismantling the oppressors.
0: I love this. And also, mm-hmm. I just want to say, I really appreciate the vernacular of you putting me in a thing because i you can't see me, but I started hyper blushing as soon as you said, I would put you in your trench coat. It's just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I'm, and I'm done. I'm over.
1: <laughs> oh, and don't forget good quality socks, like good quality, like running socks or something so that you don't get blisters.
0: That is the secret to to wearing wearing. combat boots is you have to have good socks with your combat boots.
1: Mm -hmm. And then for me, um, I would want nice practical Mary jeans with good cotton socks, cotton knee socks, um, one of my smaller petticoats and a cotton, um, cotton blouse with one of my easy breezy washable jumper skirts over top of it. And a headpiece that isn't too big that I can pin onto my head so that it doesn't move and like obscure my vision as I'm beating the shit out of a trumper.
0: Love it. Love it. Yeah. I'm here for this.
1: Oh, and uh, I also would like um, my knuckle dusters that say brand whore.
0: Oof, Love it.
1: They're really nice.
0: I was going to say that sounds really nice. Mm-hmm.
1: And that would be my ideal outfit for when I'm, uh, dismantling the oppressor systems of power. Hell yeah. And dunking on Trumpers.
0: And dunking on Trumpers. hmm Okay.
1: Because they exist here, too. I'm, like, on the west end of Canada, and we still have to deal with Trumpers.
0: Which I don't get, because there are literally Trumpers in Canada, in the UK. Like, there are Trumpers in Japan, and I don't yeah. get it. It's gross. I think it's all
1: about feeling special.
0: It's all about, like, Trumpism as a fucking identity and it's gross.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna leave you with the next question. I have to leave for approximately one minute.
0: Okay. This next question <laughs> is from Lizzie and Lizzie asks, Dear Jazzy, it is the weekend you're relaxing in your daddy's arms. You're content and his best girl. You could be on the couch. You've had dinner and you are a happy, content padded pup, and all is right in the world. He pulls you close from behind and places his lips to your ear and speaks in his deep daddy voice. <clears throat> Pog for me, baby girl. What do you do? In parens. You just read that hearing his voice in your head, didn't you? Yes, I did. Cheers, hun, from Lizzie. Uh, if he said Pog for me, baby girl, I'd be very concerned because he hates that word. Uh, And also, I'd be very disappointed in him for bringing that ilk, that filth, into our house. (laughs) Although Pog has been kind of reclaimed. We'll see how that goes. Because uh, Gutex has been canceled. I'm very happy about that. Like, finally. So if he says Pog for me, baby girl... mm, I don't like it. skywalker ranch in the chat says this is a peggers household we are all about peg champ here yes we are so if he said peg for me baby girl i'd be like fuck yeah i want to rail your asshole that'd be great uh so i know that man does have a fantastic ass um but yeah <laughs> i do appreciate the <laughs> jimmy coming in with peggle the best game on the xbla his little peggle pup says cloud puddles (laughs) chat is popping tonight thank you so much
1: i'm so glad that i could still hear that as i left the room oh good wireless headphones
0: oh good i'm so glad you got to hear the fucking pog from her directly into the mic
1: it's weird to like sit down and be laughing while you're peeing on the toilet (laughs) that's
0: weird that's that's a moon. I, I ever just like sit down and be like haha funny pee." <laughs> 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 okay this next one is for you or uh Me. for you to read
1: well yeah it's for us but like i'll do Me. the diction yeah um so squawker again says uh dear jasmers and fantastic Pogbutt." with events around a certain political leader causing everything to fall down around him faster than an oiled up Jenga tower. Do y'all think white supremacy prison gangs would make Trump their leader or their prized bitch? Please discuss. Uh,
0: I think the white supremacist prison gangs would quickly make Trump their leader. And then uh, very quickly, the rest of the prison would make that tiny little like Aryan brotherhood bitch boy brigade into their collective bitches. And I would pay to see that. Um,
1: No, I think I've got a little bit of a different take. Yeah? Because my first thought is that the white supremacy prison gangs would make Trump their leader, but then get really disappointed when they find Trump sucking their guards' dicks.
0: For real? And
1: then would turn on him and make them their prized
0: bitch. For real, though. Mm Mm-hmm. I like that. You know, I can vibe with that. Any any universe in which the white supremacists and Trump go to jail, you know, that is that that's a future that I'd like to envision is all of them in jail. So yeah, also I yeah. do appreciate oiled up Jenga Tower. That's really <laughs> that's a really very specific evocative image. Yeah.
1: Side note, um, because of where I work and like how we have a, a games. Uh, library available to customers whenever they come in. Um, thank God we're not open for games right now. But uh, I've come to hate Jenga
2: mm-hmm.
1: because I'll always have my back turned whenever the Jenga tower falls down, and it makes me jump every time. And I just, I just, I just hate it. It's oh, not allowed in my household.
0: That's valid. Daddy and <laughs> I really enjoy Jenga, but it is loud as hell.
1: Yeah. Um, also. If you want to play a game like Jenga, but maybe has a couple more steps and is a little more little, um, Rhino Hero and Rhino Hero Super Battle are fantastic. I love them. Hmm. They're, also... they're uh, card-based, like with good thick cards um, that you end up stacking. Um, oh, that's super it's, it's little a, vibes. And it's a game aimed towards children, so.
0: Aww.
1: And the pictures are really cute. Good German okay. game
0: i'm sold i'm in <laughs> i want to play yep. the thick card baby game yeah and right. the
1: next question is for you to read
0: yes cloud puddles writes dear jazz z and fanny what are some tips you would give to those dipping their toes into presenting femme and living their best lacy Lalita lives what shops would you recommend what resources would you list as important youtubers and such Thanks again for the great show. Much love, Cloud Puddles. I'm going to give this one to you because this is your whole... This is your world. This is uh, your bag. So go for well, it.
1: I'm going to ask you to follow up some, with some good femme um, which McCollum's, uh Shit, the things that make people feel better
0: about themselves. You know, uh, no. Antidepressants?
1: <laughs> <laughs> My, <laughs> I don't know what else... <laughs> Affirmations They make me feel better. Affirmations. Affirmations. <laughs> yeah. Antidepressants are my affirmation. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um okay, first tip is do it. Um don't let anything stop you there's going to be a lot of things that are going to want to stop you. Like people with really bad takes on the internet, trying to gatekeep and be like, Oh no, you're too masculine. You're too big. No, no, don't let them stop you. They're stupid. Um, and presenting femme. Yeah, just do it. Um, there's a ton of shops out there with really accessible and affordable clothing. I like going to Uniqlo for a lot of my basics. Uh, They are getting better with their sizing, so I think they get into, like, the, um, I guess the the more common plus sizes nowadays, because, like, it's a Japanese store, so they're slowly coming along. But um, I used to shop at, oh, what are they called? It's another one of the, the plus size feminine stores, and I really, really liked their stuff. The name will come to me in a little bit. Torrid. I like to shop at Torrid.
0: I love Tory, um, but
1: for yeah, they're great. That's I where my think dresses stuff come anymore. from. Makes really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and living your best lacy Lolita life. Um, there are fantastic Chinese stores with affordable uh, pieces. Like I've always loved Infanta and Circus Spell. They do just nice and basic pieces. Circus Spell is a little more gothic leaning. Infanta does everything from sweet to classic to gothic. On occasion and uh, they go into some of the smaller plus sizes. Surface Bell I think still does custom sizing and then there's some indie stores that do custom sizing as well like Dolby whenever Dolby comes back around I think she's on a hiatus right now um, she usually does more of the plus size clothing that's her entire specialty is just a plus size lolita you can find her on Etsy um, another place that I've bought from before and enjoyed is Lady Sloth She also has a good uh, extended size range. She's Polish. Um, And she does a lot of sort of the gothic and classic sort of stuff. So like lots of bats and spooky cats and ghosts and really cute things. Um, I think someone to follow for the sort of basic Lolita knowledge in a really easy to digest format would be Lovely Lore. She's one of the most popular like lolita youtubers and lolita content creators and has uh tutorials for most things um but you can also just search youtube for like plus size lolita fashion or um how to start a lolita wardrobe um and you'll be able to find quite a few things and if anyone's watching my screen right now i'm sorry i follow a whole bunch of different stuff
0: That's a very um, clunky click. I like that. It's a very definitive <laughs> click.
1: That's a MacBook. Yeah, so Callista on YouTube, Asami Moon on YouTube. They're both really good. Multi Melody has some um, um they're out there. They're wonderful. I, I recommend pretty much anyone who has like mostly Lolita um, presentation on their on their YouTube is probably a good bet. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, let's see. Could I actually yeah, speak? Yeah, going back to my first point. Oh, sorry. Doing... Go ahead. Yes.
0: Um, I was just going to give some, because a couple of people have asked me for tips on gothic apparel, because um, as we know, Hot Topic does not carry a lot of goth stuff uh, these days. Um, so me and Daddy for our goth stuff we go to, which you can very easily incorporate Gothic clothing into a goth Lolita outfit, and there's a really nice crossover there. Yeah. Um, we usually go to Vampire Freaks and Killstar, and also Trip NYC. Uh, to a lesser extent, Rebels Market—they're a little hit or miss—but Vampire Freaks is the first place we go. They have a lot of really good trench coats and outerwear. And shirts and sweaters and also vampire freaks has been a name in the scene for literally almost 20 years um killstar is a very specific brand name and they make a ton of really really cool shit trip is also one of the other huge brands in the scene they're if you've heard the term trip pants they make trip pants. They're like the, the big Janko jeans with all, they're black and with like neon and they have all the jangly bits and hangly bits. Uh, they make those. And trip pants were named after them. And then Killstar is like my favorite uh, gothic brand and everything. Oh, Nightcloud Puddles, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, but Vampire Freaks has all like the biggest brands and everything. If you stay for the um, if you stay for the after show, I'll show some links and share my screen, and we can talk about those. But that is do what you, I oh, I'm sorry.
1: I do have to say something about Killstar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I followed alternative fashion for quite a while, so I hear a lot of the things that kind of come out from um sort of the drama side of things as well. Killstar, you do have to be careful. I wouldn't say don't buy from them, but I will say watch out for replicas and stolen yes. art. Absolutely. So if you see something that looks like it's an original design, maybe without a print on it, definitely go for it. But if it has a print, you might want to search up the keywords to see if, you know, an indie brand had
0: it first. And that is a huge problem in the gothic fashion community, especially on Rebels Market. And indeed, to a lesser extent with Killstar, is one company will come out with a piece And then it will be immediately replicated and then put on Amazon and eBay and Alibaba. And it's just like, great. Uh, With Vampire Freaks, thankfully, they do a lot of their homework with stuff like that and just have their original pieces, which you can buy with confidence from from there. And I am really happy you mentioned that. And I was actually planning on mentioning, like, please do not buy knockoffs. It's really bad for everyone.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, sometimes it's like, why doesn't this brand make this in my size in the first place? And then sometimes I can say, OK, go for it. Buy that thing. Right. But most of the time it's it's not worth it. If right.
0: you're going to buy
1: a replica, you're probably going to end up with trash.
0: Oh, for real. You will end up with just shit. The last mm-hmm. one I recommend is Rebel Souls, and they make uh, stacks, platform boots and the big, tall goth boots. I have a pair and I love them. And that's the last Delicious. one. They're, I they're, love those. They're, they're real hot. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm planning on mm-hmm. doing a photo set in those. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, yes.
1: Um, Yeah, but like, okay, so the Fashion, there's too much to talk about in like this little segment here. But I will say it's really important to know your size, know your measurements so that you can do your online shopping a lot easier. And to just focus on what you love. It could be a color or a theme or a motif or something. If you're like, I want a dress with cats on it, just get a dress with cats on it. Make sure that it's your size. And if you've bought it um, with sort of your your guidelines of what size and what theme in mind, um, you won't go wrong. It'll look great.
0: Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Most of my stuff has ears on it.
0: <laughs>
1: i'm a very predictable shopper
0: and that's okay <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: but Shall it we... helps me from making mistakes and yes, yes the next question i'm yes. getting there uh, i'm jamie sorry for bell, interrupting Petey you there says meow. yeah <laughs> it's okay <laughs> we'll just talk over each other all night indeed um jamie bell says dear jazz band and forest fawn uh, what are some of the most egregious examples of gatekeeping kink in kink and little communities? And what are some of the best ways y'all can think of to push past people who engage in it? Best, JB, feeling charged.
0: I can answer this question very quickly. I saw a Tumblr mm-hmm. post in, like, 2014 uh, when I was really using Tumblr a lot. And this post was just disgusting. And the post was... Um, why do boys think they're allowed to wear diapers? Boys can only be daddies, and diapers are only for baby girls, and only girls can be littles. Not the other way around. And it's just like, I felt so disgusted in that moment. Not only because at the time I was non-binary, male-identifying, but still non-binary. And that not only reinforced the gender binary, that reinforced gender roles. And it was like, fucking yuck and this person was just like princes are gross there are only princesses and it's just like stop it just stop it this person got fucking eaten alive in the comments and then had the gall to play victim and it's like no you are gross and you're a sexist stop it
1: yeah Yeah, and you can't excuse that sort of a statement by being like, well, it's just my preference, because you weren't stating your preference. You were saying this is the way that things should be for everyone. Yeah. So if anyone has a take like that, fuck them.
0: Fuck them. Call them out. If someone has a hilariously Mm -hmm. bad take, uh, refute it, because bad takes will not stop being taken until we as a community say, fuck you collectively. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Skywalker, you did
1: find uh, the first person to climb the Cringe Peak. <laughs> I uh,
2: saw that one. And some that of the that I see
1: gatekeeping keep, keep happen is uh, actually by ageism, by saying mm. that being little has an age limit, and it really doesn't.
0: Yeah. It's just,
1: it's something that you like to do. It's something that makes you feel better. So, like, I don't think that has an age restriction at all. It's not, a, you must be this tall to experience Sort of a
0: thing. I have absolutely seen this before and it is absolutely disgusting. People, I've literally seen the take so many times. It's just like, if littles are over like 30, that's really gross and they're probably pedophiles. And it's just like, no, shut the fuck up. And it's generally the same group of people who say, like, if you're a furry and you're over 30, that's weird. If you're a furry and over 25, that's weird. If you're a furry and over 23, that's weird. If you're a furry and over 20, that's weird. If you're a furry and over 18, that's weird. And it's just like, who the fuck do you think made this fandom? And then going back to ABDL, who the fuck do you think made this community? The people who you're trying to gatekeep out of it. And it's so fucking stupid the whole point of age regression is to regress your age no matter what it may be as long as you're an adult like one of the best yeah. interactions i had at capcom was with an elderly couple and they were so precious and so sweet and the husband was all decked out in his little gear and his wife was there and so fucking supportive and it made me cry it was so sweet it just made me so happy and it was just like fuck literally all the people who are trying to gatekeep people just because they are above a certain age bracket who think they can't contribute anymore. I've literally I've literally seen people on Twitter say, I feel uncomfortable when there are people over a certain age at, like, our BDSM club or at Capcom. And it's just like, who do you think made that event? Who do you think got the community to where it is, to where it can be a thing? Ugh. Oh, it's so... It's so ageist. There's some, there's some, you know, there's a hint of a taste of ableism in there. It's just, It's gross. It's a bad take. Uh, yeah. J, J, JB last, feeling charged. Point. Absolutely. I feel charged too.
1: Yeah. Uh, one last little point. Um, there was something that I saw the other day about uh, someone looking for only real little baby girls. Ugh. No tattoos allowed. No, no piercings, no tattoos. Only real baby girls. Um,
0: what
1: The fuck is that? Uh,
0: gross. Uh, I love my gauges and they're only getting bigger, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yuck.
1: And honestly, it's like, OK, cool. You can have your preferences, I guess. But it's also kind of icky to think about that and think critically about that and be like, OK, but why are you looking for someone who doesn't have tattoos and piercings? And kind of saying to them, if you're with me, then you're never going to be allowed to have them. I yeah, think there's that's... a little hint of um, control in there in that he's looking for someone who might not um, want to or like might not feel comfortable expressing themselves and would just be kind of getting themselves stuck in a situation where they wouldn't be able to.
0: Fonny, do you smell that? Do <laughs> do you smell that? Just It smells like abuse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it smells mm-hmm. like abuse that, that in and of itself wants me to go out And make an appointment with my piercing artist I, I kind of want to get more piercings after hearing that What the fuck Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, see you later I'm getting my uh, leg sleeve I don't know what you even call that One pant leg <laughs> <Extended>. <laughs> My pant,
0: <laughs> my left pant
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah Yeah I'm going to have it extended so that it shows out the, At the bottom of my shorts now
0: BRB. I'm going to get a fucking pussy tattooed on my dick. <laughs> that makes me so <laughs> angry.
1: <laughs> yeah, tramp stamp that says no abusers.
0: A tramp stamp that says like I am valid or something. Oh, that's that actually with be fucking cute.
1: Key.
0: Or like a tramp stamp with an arrow that says this is my pussy or something. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that is. all the questions and all of our slides. Is that a tattoo of pants on one pants? That's how, you know, we're getting to the end of the Uh, episode. Chats getting silly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Funny. Any closing remarks on this last question?
1: Uh, Yes. If you see a gatekeeper, just fuck them. Like don't like nice. Fuck them. Just mean. Fuck them. Don't even don't give them any good attention
0: for real yeah
1: don't excuse them don't reason with them they're just there to be negative
0: fuck them fuck them fuck them fuck them fuck them and that has (laughs) been dear jazzy episode 49 funny thank you so much for coming on this truly amazing episode i was really looking forward to this and i knew it would be amazing and 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 it was this was awesome thank you so much for coming on
1: just it's lived up to all my expectations it's been lovely i love spending time with you thank you so much for having me here I would. thanks cried. for just letting me ramble about girls and femmes and
0: everything frilly all night of course oh my god that's so sweet i'm gonna i'm gonna heck and cry oh my god whenever someone says i like spending time with you i just
2: eh! it's
0: just so wholesome because i'm so chaotic and everything so i really appreciate that thank you I spent, I, I had so much fun hanging out with you. And frankly, I was always like too starstruck to be like, Hey, do, do you want to hang out? Doing like the fucking bottom fingers pointing to each other and everything.
1: <laughs> i <I'm laughs> I don't speak bottom.
0: Use your big girl words. I don't speak fucking bottom. <laughs> but yeah, no, this has been absolutely fantastic. And we should totally do this again. I think everyone, all the listeners will agree that we would love to have you back on the show. Because this was, this was stupendous. Bye.
1: Yes, please. Yes. I have so so many other things that I could talk about, but if it's okay, I'll just plug myself one more time for anyone who might be looking at, looking me up now.
0: I was literally about to ask, can you please plug everything and anything you want?
1: (laughs) I'm Fonny ABDL on Twitter. I'm Fonny ABDL on Patreon. And uh, you can find me in 34 Cukors ABDL Galleria art server on discord under
0: on ABDL. Awesome. And I have been your host, Jasmine Starshine. You can find me on Twitter at Jazzy, at, sorry, at Lil Jazzy baby. There we go. Uh, you can email the show um, at DearJazzyPodcast at gmail.com You can check out all of our links on at oddswithgod.com uh, And you can message me or any one of the previous guest hosts to get invited to our Discord server, which is where you can listen to the live show and hang out in the live chat and hang out with a bunch of cool people. I think we just surpassed like 70 or 80 people. Skywalker coming in with please mention camp buddy. Yes. Camp buddy uh, supports the show. It's an awesome gay erotic visual novel that you can check out on at odds slash camp buddy to use our affiliate links there. That would be fantastic. If you check that out. Um, and last but not least, Dear Jazzy is an at oddswithgod.com production. Please, please visit us online at at oddswithgod.com. You can find our Patreon there, get you some porn of yours truly, and support the ongoing production of the show. Thank you to everyone who has been pledging to the Patreon. You are truly keeping the lights on and helping me like, establish a financial base for going into this next phase of my life. Really appreciate it. Uh, with that being said, I have been Jazzy bonnie and we will see you next time thanks for listening
2: yay
1: i think we're all good on this but like we're gonna talking stick to be able to pass off to each other whenever we're like i need a minute
0: right yeah perfect yeah i usually talking stick a when I'm rambling or B when my mouth fills up with too much saliva and I have to just like aggressive swallow <laughs>